Hey, what's up, man? We're back. It's first smoke of the day, episode 68. It's your boy Pack in the build. I'm here with my co-host, Blackleaf. You already know. What up, what up? And today, man, we got a super special guest in the building, my man, Trichedelics. What up, what up? Thanks for having me in. Yo, glad to have you stop in and uh, bring the Terps. Dude, hell yeah, shit. man. That's what it's all about, sharing Terps, man. Dude, you got them. And you've been, you've been doing your thing. The, the merch is dope. The brand is dope. Everything's in uh, going good, and we're here. You're here this weekend for PuffCon. Yeah, PuffCon, dude. Super dope. It's going to be my first like booth at the PuffCon, so super stoked. I'm dropping the Gangster Doodles times Trichedelics fucking merchandise. It's going to be sick. It fits my brand super well. I know we were kind of talking about mm-hmm. it a little bit before, but like, yeah, it's kind of these people spelling out Trichedelics, doing different little acrobatic moves, and yeah, it kind of fits in with my little narrative that I like to push of like being a motivated stoner. So. I don't know. It's one of my favorite pieces that I've dropped too. And it actually like matches the single source drop too. That is like kind of in line with uh, the timing of the drop of the merchandise too. So that's kind of been my thing lately too. Like the past two single source drops, I've been trying to like correlate a new lid. Like for instance, the trike smiley and I had the trike smiley hoodies last time and this time the gangster doodles. So trying to do just fun shit with it too, you know? It's different. The designs are fire. And what's cool about it is like it matches your personality. Like I was saying earlier, and like your brand is definitely a a resemblance of you. And it's, it's interesting. It's cool. It's like, you're an artist and we're getting to watch you, you know, paint your pictures. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That means a lot, man. I put a lot of time and effort and man, I go a little crazy sometimes over trying to make everything super perfect. You know what I mean? So it's nice to get feedback like that. You know, it feels good. You know, we all work hard in this industry too. You know, it seems super easy, but you know, like I'm literally running off of three hours of sleep right now. I told you guys, you know, so like I've been grinding hard just to get ready for the PuffCon event, you know, and I'm super stoked, dude. Super stoked oh, yeah. to bring Which it all Which is an fashion. annual event put yeah. on by PuffCo, you know, for everyone that has no clue what PuffCon right. is. You know yep. what I'm saying? It's literally like a Based in LA. art festival, but yep. for smokers, for PuffCo. Each year, yeah. Really cool, Last man. year, we didn't make it. So this will be our first year going. We're looking forward to it. Dude, yeah. It's bigger than, than last year, I feel like, too. There's supposed to be, like, quite a bit. I think I saw there was, like, 5,000 plus people who, like, RSVP'd. So, like, that's pretty huge, too. Um, Schoolboy Q is, like, performing, too. Yeah. Uh, flapper zombies so like dude it's gonna be a dope gathering a lot of like my favorite like artists too who i like to support and shit are gonna be there so i'm stoked the best hash makers on the planet i mean you know what i'm saying like to, to i don't think know that, <laughs> bro come on now i mean pack odds you and myself we we ran into him in spain when we went out there for yeah. the trip we ran into him in new york we went there i mean yeah. you're everywhere with it bro Damn, yeah. I, I try to be. I try to be. We keep it small batch, but somehow it gets all over the place, you know? It's a beautiful thing, honestly. Shit. It's uh it's craft and you're doing it the right way. Um going into it tonight, even the pop-up and stuff. What do you how you feeling about that? You got the alchemist spinning. Dude, I'm stoked on it, but I would be lying if I was saying I'm not a little anxious because I haven't done that many pop-ups and stuff before. So like, I really have a lot of like high expectations and really and truly, I say high expectations, really and truly my expectation is just being like an old school Prop 215 stash when it was super lax. Anyone is welcome. Anyone who loves the plant, you just got to come bring some smoke, you know, share some smoke with people. And obviously Alchemist is on the boards. Like that's like, a dream for me. I'm like a huge hip hop head. So 
that's sick. Any anytime I can smoke hash and watch an artist that I love, like I'm I'm there, right? Like yeah. So, but yeah, kind of also too. It's one of the first times that I um, am kind of somewhat marketing like hey you can come out and meet me like as trichedelics and may or may not have terps available for my single source and stuff you know a lot of the times i'm not able to really tell people like Mm -hmm. or point them in the direction because uh you know i'm in the traditional market i'm in the gray area still so i can't just be like yo go hit up my boy right here you know like he's got this stuff on him you know and like i really try to be weary of that too and I don't know. It's, I, I mentioned I, I, I lived in Texas for a while too. So I think that mentality mm-hmm. comes from that a little bit too. Like I still, I mean, I'm used to being in Cali. You can smoke like wherever you want, but like, I'm still just a little like skeptical of being like, okay, we got to be super safe with things, you know? And like, it's way lax now. Like I know my first time when I first moved to, to San Francisco or Oakland, I went to San Francisco to like Ghirardelli Square or whatever. Like I went to smoke a joint and I was super nervous cause like this guy just like walked by and was like, hey, like, what are you doing? And cause I was being all like sketchy and like trying to like hide it, you know, and like be like secretive about mm-hmm. it. And he was like, why are you hiding that? Like, you look like a weirdo, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, okay, like, I think I get it, you know, like. You look weirder trying to be all like hiding with it and stuff. That's like how it was in Texas, though. Like we would like hide in like an alley or something and like smoke there. Like yeah. it was a different style, you know. We call it the Florida mindset. You take, <laughs> but we say you take that wherever you go and you're safe, you know. And that's a good mindset to have. It keeps you out of trouble. Keeps you, you know, focused on what the most important part: trichedelics. Exactly. Exactly. What was your What was your first time smoking? My first time smoking, well, like many stoners, like the first time they smoke, like it just didn't really get me high. I kind of think sometimes I was just overthinking it. Like I'm smoking. I'm like, yeah, I'm high. And I think it was I was doing it for like the wrong reason almost. It wasn't until my boy like sat me down. This is in San Antonio, Texas. I was 15 years old. Shout out my boy, Ben. He's the one who helps me with all the fucking logo designs and all that. So like he's the one who sat me down that day and like showed me dank weed. Cause like I got to start off with fireweed. I was lucky. I was blessed with that, you know? So I didn't have to smoke a lot of, I did smoke some Reggie, but like not that often. So anyway, he introduced me to like dank weed at first. He shows me like what a carb is. We actually like, I, I'm not overthinking the experience of like, Oh, am I high? Am I not high? (laughs) I'm just like feeling good. Then we're just like running around, like having a good time. He takes me to the place that he's work where he works at and gets me like sliders. We're like, have a nice, like, a first stoner experience, you know, and I just like immediately fell in love. But like when I look back at that day too, like we spent just as much time looking at the weed then. And it was my first time smoking. Like we, I was in awe, like looking at the stuff, you know, like I think I enjoyed looking at it more than I did like the act that it took two minutes when we smoked a bowl or whatever, you know? So I feel like I've always had infatuation with like the ritual of like smelling Mm. it and enjoying the weed even before you're smoking it, you know? I think it's an ancestor thing. I'm going to be honest. I think it's in our DNA. That's how deep I think it goes. I think it's ritualistic. When you said that, I was yeah. like, boom. I think it goes back to, you know, Indians. I think it goes back to Native. I mean, I think it even goes back before that. I I, I think cannabis, I mean, years and years of, of people using cannabis, I think is ingrained in our 
what, 10,000 year old DNA. Right. In my opinion. That's why when you say it's like, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. I felt the same way, bro. It's, it's mind blowing. And, and you, your passion, look at where it turned out. I mean, some of this hash we've seen is insane, bro. I, I've yet to see hash like this in a long time. I mean, we've, we've seen hash all over the world and Damn, I mean, that means so bro, much to me, man. Because I know you guys see a lot of hash. <laughs> you guys work with a lot of amazing producers and stuff. And there's a lot of people making a lot of fire, too. So that means a lot to me that, that you guys would enjoy it. And OGKB. Bro, the thing the is, too, Skittles. bro, is it's like you, you're, you know, you're obviously putting out um, strains and stuff that not a lot of people have access to or they're not dealing with them. Or yeah, they don't, yeah, they're yeah. Not, they don't have them. Like, mm. they're not even thinking about them. So... That's what's appealing also is that your brand is so unique. Yeah, I think it's that, very that's individualistic, like, like, but it re represents a lot of people. A lot of people I feel can relate to it because it's just really dope. And then ultimately the product is next level. Of course. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's like one of the beauties of like having like small batch little companies like myself and like there's other ones as well. And it allows you to have so much like control over like what you're going to curate on the menu. And like, I don't know what it's like to be recreational, but sometimes I feel like it just adds a lot of pressure because you're paying a lot of like, you got a lot of bills to pay. You got a lot of other people you're now relying on. Like right now and me, I'm like, okay, if I want to take a loss on washing the heavy fog with grow low key or whatever, like I'm down for the Terps or whatever, that's not going to make or break me because I don't have the overhead that another company might have, you know, and that gives me the ability to be able to curate maybe a menu of flavors that like other people can't do necessarily. Um, Cause there's other people that have to keep in mind, you know, freedom, That's yeah. freedom, freedom to choose, yeah. you know, I'll put in the work and not get paid. Cause I love what I do. Yeah. yeah that's badass, bro. Exactly. That's, yeah. there's very few people that can say that statement and mean it. Yeah. You know? And don't get me wrong. Like I want to obviously make a good living and like, mm -hmm. I have ambitions of like living a great life and all these things too. But like, yeah, there's plenty of batches that I'm just like, this is straight for the Terps and just like, I want to just smoke this, you know, like, so then that, that's really what it is. Like, it's just like, if it's impressive to me, then I'm like, oh, I think other people will like this too. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not saying like, oh, my palate's the greatest or something like that's not at all what I think. But I just think, oh, if I think this is really fire hash and this resin quality looks amazing, like I can put it in the jar and other people are going to think the same thing, you know? So if I enjoy it, it goes in the jar. That's really <laughs> what the, what it goes down to, you know? To flip it back. So you start to love weed and you're living in one of the craziest places for weed, Texas. Is it basically a shadow game of like hiding the little bits of weed you get or the fire you get and like trying not to get in trouble and just kind of like, how do you find your way out to Cali? Like, how's that all work? Um, yeah. So um, basically, you know, I started smoking when I was 15. I smoked like all the way till I was uh, basically 17 years old. And like, I, um, I struggled with some uh, like substances and things like that, you know, and um, really I say I struggled with substances, but if I'm being real, like I struggled with just like me not having a direction in my life. Like at that time, I didn't dedicate myself to being like, yo, I want to just deal with the plant. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was like 19 years old uh, that I realized like, okay, if I really need to get my life together and like choose one thing that I love, like it's cannabis. Like I'll sit there and talk with my friends all day about weed and like sit there infatuated looking over the nug and smelling that. I was like, if there's something I have to dedicate myself to, it's this, you know? And like back then, 
my I didn't have as great of a, as ambitions as I do right now. Like back then, I literally, when I first moved to Cali, when I was 19 years old, I was just like, I just want to learn how to grow the best weed that I can, have a small house and like be able to sustain like myself, you know? And um, it was kind of just like, I say the hash God slowly, but surely just kind of like showed me my path into hash making. But um, so basically my first washes in California were um, like, single source stuff. I started growing when I first moved out here. When I was, like I said, I was 19 years old. I signed up for uh, like two or three day classes at Oaksterdam University. Oh, dope. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I feel like I don't want to seem like I'm knocking them. It's not at all, but like, I feel like I learned a lot of great information from there in terms of like legislation and things like that. But in terms of like, when you're just like telling people all this information, when it comes to growing, I feel like it doesn't do you like, maybe I'm wrong, but it maybe doesn't do you that much good just to like have this like endless book of knowledge. If you haven't grown the plant, like mm. you need to just be hands-on with the thing, you know? Cause I feel like they gave me a lot of knowledge. Right. And I had all these notes and all these things. I was like, I'm going to crush it like right away, you know, but it wasn't until you learn like, oh, how much to water the plant. And it's like little things like that are much more just like you being connected with the plant and being present with the plant that are what I feel like sometimes even just as important as like the science behind all of it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, don't get me wrong. The science like leads to healthy nutrition in the plants and can help lead you in the right direction. But, you know, time in the garden is when I noticed the best cycles, you know, like, you know, I mentioned we had the two starbursts batches here you know the one from last cycle the one from this cycle i feel like i did put a little bit of extra time into the newer cycle and i think you even mentioned yourself you like that one a little bit more so i guess it doesn't always go out that way but like sometimes it does a lot of the times it does you know knowledge with action yeah it's interesting that they wouldn't have you doing a little tin or something simultaneously to you learning all this stuff. Yeah. So like homework, inside right? the, inside mm. the school, cause I just did the two or three day courses. So like they also had ones that are like full, like three or four week programs or whatever. But, um, you know, I was, mm -hmm. I was still, I'm not a lie. I was just like, yo, I'm gonna do the two, three day course. I'm gonna do the bare minimum thing. You know, at the time, you know, I wanted to learn as much stuff as possible, but I was like, I want to just get jobs at dispensaries right mm -hmm. away. So um, I started learning like a lot about the, the, the legislation of like prop 215, which I feel like kind of learned, taught me how to like, Oh, I can go to dispensaries and just, you know, have product and, you know, just go up to them and be like, yo, you know, this is the flower that I grew, blah, 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 blah. So they kind of gave me the basis of like what I need to learn to do, to be able to get to or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and going back, I kind of jumped around a little bit there, but, uh, they did have like a small grow tent in the, in the, in the room but it was like, had like two or three plants in there and they like took care of them. So I feel like you just kind of like looked at them at a glance and you weren't like de-leafing them and like. Mm -hmm. You weren't touching, you weren't hands on. You weren't it was touching for them, them to kind of show at. you. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like, show me how though. Like, mm -hmm. are you demonstrating or are you mm -hmm. just, is it for me to pass by and look at it? It's like teach you how to fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Teach well, you me how to fish, Just put man. the fishing pole on display. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I know. But but not but that work. was the old way of figuring, you know, that it's different these days. Now you want real like what you're saying, real action and hands on techniques of like and just you like I laugh. I want to laugh and I don't want to come down on them because they were the originators. Oaksterdam, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was dope that like, yeah, they should have had plants and been like everyone has a plan in front of them. Now let's de-leaf the plant together. Yeah. Everyone has a plan in front of them. Now let's take a clone together. 
everyone has, a, you know, and we start to go through this process of doing it together. It, it just makes me laugh because I'm like, man, what a great idea. Yeah. I, I'm all like looking over at Pat God's like, <laughs> imagine that digitally grow your own show on the way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, no, it's crazy. You it gotta be hands crazy. on. There's no teacher like doing. That's yeah. why it's like a follow guy, like a follow along, something like that. It just makes a little more sense. Mm -hmm. You got to get the knowledge and know what you're doing too. But it's like, that's why you get homework and school and stuff. Cause it's yeah. like, yeah, no, now go use it, you know, and yeah, exactly. come back and see what you didn't, what you need to know now. Cause you always come back with more questions like, Hey, you know, as I was doing it, <laughs> this and this, you know, yeah. I got to figure this out, you know? Yeah. But that's, it's, it's, that's an awesome start off. I mean, just come mm -hmm. out here and jumped in so you moved to the bay yeah i moved to the bay from san antonio texas i was born in chicago i lived there till i was eight from eight till 19 i came out here by myself and uh yeah i did the oaks dam classes i was renting a room in oakland for like 600 bucks with like five other people it was like kind of in like the somewhat like mm -hmm. for me coming from san antonio texas it was like way more rough it was definitely like a difference in culture for me you know what i mean uh in terms of just like where I was, I was off a of 73rd, like, I don't know. It was just, it was eye opening to me to live in that Oakland situation, you know, rough. it was rough. You know, I didn't want to no like joke. say that I didn't want to sound mean or disrespectful no, or anything like that, but it was a, a tough rough, town, you know, and like, it's had it bad. You yeah, know, exactly. I, my heart goes out to anyone in Oakland and Oakland period. Cause it's like, when you drive through, like they'll tell you first thing, it's like, look, you know, don't fuck around out here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Different city. And the people, there was like five other people living in the, in the house too. So, but the guy was cool. He let me like set up a tent in there. I had like a small little four by four tent and I had like a little full size bed from Ikea. So like, dude, I just always had the light of the plant leaking through the tent a little bit, you know? And, um, my first beans that I grew in there were Ace of Spades from uh, TJ Genetics Subcool or whatever. I don't remember what mm -hmm. the cross was, like a Marion Berry cross or something. Great train. Um, yep. Yeah, I I had I bought picked the seeds out because someone had showed me flowers of it and it smelled crazy. It was a blackberry soda cross or something like that, and it Ooh. smelled crazy. Honestly, the phenos that I got were just like so bad though. Maybe it was the way that I was growing, but anyway fast forward like that was the first wash i ever did was that little four by four tent i washed all the ace of spades of the seeds that i popped in a mixed wash in the backyard in the five gallon washer um and it was like 77 degrees outside you know like mm -hmm. i had done like some research and like read the like robert connell clark like hashish book and like done some basis of research but like I was washing in 77 degrees and like trying to pull fire melt. Like I didn't even know how to dry this thing. Like when I look back at the experience, I'm just like laughing. Cause I'm like, I didn't plan at all. I was just like, I'm gonna get this washer, put this material in the bag and like the hash comes out and it's going to be just fire. Right. You know, but Oh man, it was such bad hash and I've ruined it. Like I didn't know how to dry it. Um, yeah, it was a horrible first experience. Freeze dryers change the game. Freeze dryers change the game. But yeah, like I feel like, we would be jumping super ahead if we jumped straight to yeah, the freeze dryers right. actually, because like at that time, no one was, their freeze dryers were not being used, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I didn't even have trichedelics at that time. You know, it took me like maybe four years. I think 2015 is when I started trichedelics and I came out to Cali, I think it was 2012. And it was like the end of 2015 that I started trichedelics. Actually, I was just starting with either my own material coming from that four by four little tent 
or I would just be taking trim jobs from different people that I would like meet off of like Bud Trader, if you remember that website, or I would go and like meet with people who were saying they would do splits with me if I washed their trim. And I washed just like tons of boof. Like, I'm not going to lie, like my eyes, and this is, like I said, before trichedelics, but that's like kind of how I learned. I feel like I learned by shining shit to be not gold, but like way better than like the material that is like now, if I had that material, I'm not, I'm not even touching that material. You know what I mean? That would not be a collab you'd take. That is not the collab <laughs> that I'm taking. Man. I was about to call you. But what that is, is a thousand batches of R&D. You know, that's your 10,000 hours. Having a, that's you having to refine your skill at a high level because you have high standards and you're having to do what you got to do just to get to a level that you, you know, and as you're learning, it, it's like you're learning. If, if, if you had good material off the jump, it's kind of, I feel like you wouldn't learn as much. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that, you know, whereas having the shitty material and like you said, to make it good, you know, it's that much harder. Yeah. And I guess we should be careful in saying good because it wouldn't be good, but like be- like pretty blonde. I feel like that's what the thing was that I was going for then. I was like, can I make it be somewhat blonde? Like that was like the mark of quality. And then too, like, I feel like it just, I was just a big hash smoker. Like back then solventless wasn't really a big thing. You know, you'd see like sour D melt. I feel like there was not a lot of strains at all. Like, um, and I would go to, to CCA up in Hopland, California. I think it was called like Conscious Care Apothecarium. And um, I know he's like a little controversial figure, but like Matt Rise was like, honestly, some of the first solventless and stuff that I was going out of my way to like buy and not just like him, but like a lot of hash makers started at CCA. I feel like, you know, there was a guy Baker's Bubble. There was like Grease Monkey Extracts. Um, a lot of people's brands started from CCA. It was like, so I feel like that was like a little solventless hub for me. That was the first places that I was really seeing it happen. And uh, I just fell in love with hash and I just started really learning the qualities of hash. And as I'm, you know, teaching myself how to wash with trim, I'm finally sourcing gardens from people who actually have like fire trim. So I would go and trim for them and they would tell me, you know, oh, you can, you know, get paid $20 an hour. Or I would just pitch to them and be like, yo, can I just take the trim? And like, I'll just take that as my payment, you know? Mm -hmm. And most people were like, hell yeah, dude, like for sure. And some of those people I ended up really like kind of, I want to say winning off of because I would get fat yields, you know, and it would make my time like, way over like getting 200 an hour for like a pound or something Mm -hmm. that it was back then, you know? Um, so yeah, I felt like I just developed my vision of quality by smoking other people's melts and stuff then. And when I felt like my stuff matched that quality after a couple of years of just washing, maybe like three years of washing, I was like, you know what? I'm comfortable with saying that I can produce stuff that is comparable to the stuff that I'm going out of my way to all the parts of California to spend money on and smoke that solvent list. Like mine is just as good as that. I'm going to put a brand on it. And I made like a long list of fucking names and like, I'm not gonna lie. I had like 15 names down there, like written down and like trichedelics was the one that was just like, for me, it was iconic. Like when I read it, I was like, I just, it's like a statement piece, you know? So And like, I look back at that and I'm like, that was such a fire decision because like, obviously your name shouldn't really matter. Like it's all about the product inside of the jar, but I feel like my product speaks for itself. And the the branding also is really dope on it as well. If I do say so myself, Trichedelics, like it's a really unique name and 
I think it represents the cannabis plant really well. You know, it's like a light psychedelic, you know, and in a way, you know, I don't want to say we're all getting like hallucinating all the time. That's not the case, but <laughs> we're elevated, right? We're like yeah. elevated and we're like, and it's focused on the most important part, the trichome. Speaking of elevated, man. I know. T talk about, I mean, to go into that, like I love, let's continue the story, man. Keep going. Like I absolutely okay, love yeah, this. So. I know, bro. The grow so, low yeah. key pheno are the collabs. Oh, the, the most heavy thing, dude. And that oh hash is like, God. dude, the hash is probably like eight months old. I just had it in my freezer, yeah. vacuum sealed, like in a Tupperware. Break it out the vault. So like, that's one thing I did. Like, I told myself, I want to emphasize is like, you don't have to smoke your hash right away. You can take half of it out, put it in another jar, vacuum seal it up. Like if it's your favorite terps, you know, put it in the vault and like save it for a rainy day or something like that, you know? Um, especially too, Love you know, that. like I know these terps are expensive, you know, and like sometimes they will break the bank a little bit for some people. So it's mm. like, you don't have to feel like you got to smoke that. Like that can be your treat at the end of the day. You smoke something else that's still clean and quality, but at the end of the workday, you're coming home and smoking your favorite, like whatever brand it is, whether it's trichedelics or any of the other ones, you know? Um, but yeah, it's definitely a treat, man. Dude, I mean, let's try some of the Skittles. Yeah. Let's, let's get do into it. it. The grow low key one can melt paint off the wall. Like that is yeah. such a gas. That's for the end. That's the nightcap. That's the. It's a special one for sure. Dude. You know, and like, I know we were briefly discussing a little bit, but like, I wouldn't consider that like a washer. Like the hash is amazing from it. The rosin is of amazing quality, but like at the end of the day, it's like 2.5 or 2.6% after rosin. And this is from his indoor rooms, like coming off of the Zaw Olympics win and like, Clearly his pounds are worth like a lot of dollars, right? So it's like, okay, like we got to make this somehow work like with this low of a yield. So the price kind of reflects based off of that. That's why I'm trying to like curate, curate these special flavors like this. I know that one was like super limited because like you can run a ton of it. And like when you're only getting 2% or something back, like it's not a lot of hash, you know? But I think those are like my favorite hashes. And I think those are the hashes that entice me the most when i'm like in the lab working it like when i'm working with the heavy fog the first time i was like holy shit like this smells intoxicating you know like it smelled foodie to me i don't know it smells like food or something to me like i love that so much and same thing too like i know he low-key briefly mentioned it on his episode but like the first time i washed the the pbg dude that shit was so special in the lab like as i'm washing it i was just like giddy you know smiling ear to ear because i was like this is a special one you know and i think that's you know you were talking about like ten thousand hours or whatever i think that's also what really helps a hash maker like be able to know what super fire is like he's smoked a lot of hash he's washed a lot of hash he's seen a lot of resin so they're able to be like oh when when one entices them and it's something new you've actually seen a ton of shit so you're like this is actually something potentially mm. really special right here, you know? Great point. And like, it's not to say that someone who's new can't make the same quality of hash, but maybe they just don't have the same knowledge base of strains to be like, oh, well, you know, this is kind of played out a little bit more like this strain or whatever, you know, to be having that on the menu or whatever. I love how you say though, it's for the Terps, man, because like how you say with this heavy fog, some of these are mind-blowing flavors and and to put people in perspective like 
I've seen some of the hash makers head stashes, like their head stash is some of your stuff, man. Like Dude, these turps, awesome. I'm being honest, like the, some of these turps are so rare. And some of these collabs are so rare, like the heavy fog, like the Skittles, the Mendoza farms, OG, I mean, on and on and on the starburst OG full. I mean, this is what hash makers put in their head stash. This is that level of like, like you said, put it away for a rainy day, a hundred percent with your stuff. Yeah. Fire. For sure. I mean, that's what I do. That's why the heavy fog, like I was like, oh, I want to bring something special out for the first smoke guys. I was like the heavy fog. I literally saved two jars of that in the freezer and the other one is going to stay there for a while. Cause also too, you never know. Like for me, I'm like, it's a backup. If you ever like lose the genetic, like obviously it's not like the actual genetic itself, but you at least have the profile so you can come back and be like, this is that heavy fog batch that I fell in love with. That is so amazing. You can come and smell it and be like, this is what I should be expecting out of, uh, you know, out of when I'm hunting for the new phenotype of it, you know? Um, at least that's like kind of what my, my, I tell myself with keeping it in the freezer like that, you know? And some of them too, like we have like lost certain phenos and stuff like that too, you know, like, like I have, we talked about the animal cookies a little bit. I used to have the animal cookies. I have one jar of animal cookies melt still in my freezer, but I no longer have that cut, you know? And we'll I know that, that one's kind of accessible. Yeah, not not say, we'll super accessible, yeah, but yeah. like, yeah, I miss that one a lot. That's a great Well, So what's, what is hash? What's the proper way to store hash? The proper way to store hash? Uh, well, depending on like what you're storing and like how you're going to, what you're trying to achieve with it. If you're going for a long-term storage, I would say like, for instance, this heavy fog that's like eight months old or whatever, I have it inside of the original jar. I really crank the, the lid on as tight as possible. And then I like to vac seal over that too. Uh, and then I'll put it inside of like an airtight Tupperware as well. Just like keeping as much air out of it. Um, it really doesn't cure that much in the freezer. Like I think it does ever so slightly change over time, you know, and, and that's another thing to take in consideration is like every freezer is mad different. Um, I'm jumping around a little bit, but no, like that's it. super important when it comes to storing your fresh frozen, like make sure your freezer is actually really cold. I have like 10 freezers at my fucking spot and they are all different temperatures, some of which are above zero degrees. And some of which are well below zero degrees too. So it's like, for me, I want to keep my fresh frozen super brittle and hard and like not, I don't want it to thaw out. I don't want it to get soft at all to where the heads can start sticking onto each other. So I want to put it in a super cold freezer, you know? Um, so plant material sub-zero as cold as you can get. Yeah. And then a normal freezer somewhat, but double layers of air, air kind of almost like air trap where you, you take that and you've vacuum sealed it. Then you're putting another barrier, yeah. then another barrier, then which I don't know if I'm just being over the top, no, which is sometimes it. what I do, but yeah, like I just want to, yeah, keep as much air out of there mm -hmm. and keep it in its original state as possible, you know? Um, and then too, like if you're trying to like maybe more like smoke on it, like actively, for instance, maybe you're like, smoke in the heavy fog but you want to like keep it in a good state but you're not going to long-term store it then like maybe just like pull it out in the morning let it get to room temperature you know do your dabbing during the day and at the end of the night like just put it in the refrigerator and that'll like kind of slow down the cure or if you know it's a super hot day or anything like that you know make sure you put it in the fridge you know um 
But let it, you said, let it thaw. Why is that? Uh, well, because you can like get condensation from the outside of the jar on the inside of the jar, you know? Um, you know, if you ever have like a cold glass of water and there's the moisture content on the outside of the jar, on the outside of the glass, like if you have a mason jar that has, you know, a bunch of moisture on the outside of it and you open it up and then you close it again, you've just trapped that moisture like inside of there. And then also too, like the actual, I think the actual temperature of the oil matters. Like you don't want to like jump it sounds weird. You don't want to like jump the oil like into these extreme temperatures. You want to like gradually let it go from, you know, being in this freezing cold negative 10 degrees and let it slowly get up to room temp, you know, not just the outside of the jar, but the actual product on the inside getting to the actual room temperature. There's and something with that olive oil, the best olive oil in the world. They do that same thing with they put it in a pan and they bring it up slowly to the exact heat they want. I was like seeing this thing and it's like, yeah, they talk about yeah, it dude. preserves the terpenes in the olive oil. I'm glad Crazy. you bring up olive oil too. Cause like one of the products that I have, I feel like a salesman. I'm like one of the products that I have, <laughs> but no, uh, one of the products that I have is like my fresh press, which I market as Evro extra virgin rosin oil. Cause like it comes from my love of olive oil too, because I just love the different fragrances. I put it on everything. Like my boy just gifted me this bottle and like literally you put it on your eggs and it just, it tastes like butter and it's not, and it's just, it's amazing. But anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. The, uh, the similarities in like harvesting your olives and handling your olives to make it into olive oil is so similar to that of cannabis. Like they're harvesting at night or like whenever their temperatures are cold, they're keeping their things cold with dry ice. Even, you know, even the wine industry does this as well, but they're trying to keep their fruits cold and intact to keep it preserved as much as it is on the plant, the way that it is on the plant, the true essence of it on the plant. They're trying to capture that in its purest form. And that's like what olive oil is all about. That's what I feel like fresh pressed rosin is, is like mm -hmm. just that most ripest heads from that batch of first wash heads and you're pressing it at a really low temperature, making sure in small amounts for me, uh, so you're not like getting any nucleation or buttering and you're gonna have like a really nice translucent product. And um, I don't know, I think it's, it's, it's super awesome too because it allows the consumer to watch watch it kind of cure and you can kind of learn a little bit more from it. It is a little bit harder to like work with. I feel like you have to be a little bit more knowledgeable um, or like seasoned of like a smoker to like deal with it because sometimes it's really sappy. It's like hard to get off your dabber. That's what's really nice about like cured or cold cured rosins is just like ready to go, you know? So I would say if you're introducing it to like a new smoker, maybe Evro isn't the, isn't the way to go, you know? Like you want to give them some cured stuff that's like ready to go and easy to work with. But for the, for the, for the Evro, like I would store that this, the, in this, in a similar manner, but I would keep it, if you want to keep it for a long time in the freezer as well. Um, but if you want to cure it, then just let it be room temperature and just watch it cure. And like, as it butters, I feel like you get different little subtle nuances as you're tasting it. Personally, like, um, you'll, it's not like the, the terpene profile is completely different. Like it tastes like a different strain, but sometimes I'll be able to, you'll catch it in a stage that's like earlier on in the curing stage that like you're missing out on after it's already been cured fully, if that makes sense. Like you're smoking mm -hmm. it at an earlier stage in the cure. So maybe there's some terpenes that are more volatile that can't last through that cure or like things like that. Sometimes I feel like 
for instance, with the cherry tricks from low key, um, I feel like with the Evro and maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like I get a little bit more of like the cherry notes coming from it for whatever reason after it's like in that middle stage of like being half translucent and half nucleated or whatever. Like I feel like that is like almost my favorite stage to smoke the cherry tricks in because I get the craziest unique flavor from that. And it's not like it's not in the cured, but I feel like it's not as amplified that specific part of the terp profile that like I really like or whatever. So maybe something smaller or more volatile had to gas off to leave or or change some change is happening. Exactly. Wow, yeah. I can't prove that or anything, but like some that's just from antidotal smoking it, you know, being like, wow, this tastes really, you know, I feel like I got a little bit more of this flavor coming from it after a two day cure of the Evro when it's not fully cured, you know. Damn, bro. This dude's a hash monster library, like the, like the top said, of look. the top. Pro level heady. Pro level. Pro, Pro level. <laughs> Next up is how do you take the proper dab? How do you take all the, the novice dab? guys like Bigs over here? That yeah, I still learning. I'm on a. I mean, I'm on a Puffco man. You know. What I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, uh, I, you know, it's different, right? Everyone likes. And it's funny because not funny, but it's like there's everyone likes a very specific way to smoke. So some people are like, I do Puffco. Some people are like, I do this. I do that, and you know. The mothership is like a massive, crazy dab with this rig you have. What is this? This thing. Explain this, though. This is what people the nail, are, bro. OK, yeah, this changes everything. Yeah. So I feel like the nail is like the most important thing. So like if you're like getting into dabbing and you're all like, oh, I can't afford like, you know, a multi thousand dollar rig. The rig is less important. You just want it to be made from someone who make uses good quality American glass. But the, the nail is most important. You could have a mediocre rig and have a really nice brand of nail. For instance, like we're looking at the Toro Slurper right now. Um, and there's a lot other brands out there too. You know, I really like the Quave Charm. Um, there's plenty of other ones that I use as well, but they use really high quality quartz. They're all handmade. So they actually, you'll even see, they have like slightly different shapes and some of them even like, function a little bit better than others because maybe the neck is like a little bit longer or whatever but yeah that can make a mediocre piece into a really nice piece so it does sound like an expensive investment to be like oh you know i'm spending 500 on or 800 on just the nail not even just the rig you can't even just smoke out Holy of it yet. Shit. yeah yeah crazy when when they first were hitting the surface and, and it was you're like trying to make the league you gotta you know it's yeah gonna be an investment i compare it to this though you never remember when you used to go to the track with cars and you would see like an old nova and it would pull up and it would have like no back seat and there'd be like one seat inside of it right and then the th they have like an old paint job and the thing would have an engine a massive engine and it would run like a nine flat at the track like that's the engine of the car in my opinion yeah because, exactly bro, when you hit that thing with hash it goes yeah where like the rig is is it yes it matters but less like you said than the yeah, nail I, I would prefer don't get me wrong and in a perfect world i want a hella nice rig and a hella nice nail but if i had to choose having a nice nail or a nice rig i would choose a nice nail over a nice rig because it's all about the terps anyway, and you're going to more optimally and burn your terp or get you're going to get a more optimal temperature for your terps and more out of your hash at burning it at the optimal temperature. And like, you know, trichedelics hash, you know, it's, it's not super it's it's not 
cheap at all. It's pretty expensive. So like you want to use something that's going to get the most out of it. Right. So it seems crazy to spend that much on a nail, but it's going to get you a long way. So I would definitely recommend getting you really nice quartz because you'll notice the difference right away, you know? Yeah. And you got the dab right out. What's the perfect temperature? Uh, well, I feel like it's different for everybody. Everybody's perfect temperature is different. Like I know that for me, like on this specific dab right right now, I'm dabbing at like 550. But actually, this is like a little bit older of a slurper. I feel like I'm just nerding out too hard on this no, right we now. Like it. But yeah, um, so like this is like a little bit older of a slurper. So like this is probably like six to eight months old. So like when I first got the slurper, like I'm going as low as like 450, 430 on the dab right. Um, but as it gets older and it's like loses its heat retention, I feel like I have to take a hotter dab for the size of glob that I'm going to take. And um, I'm not getting as much flavor. I don't, won't get as much flavor. And I say this because I'll come to LA or I'll go to my boy's house who has a fresh nail. I'm smoking the same jar at my house. I still get great terps, but I'm at his house and I'm like drooling with terps. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is what a fresh nail that's like has great heat retention can do. Cause I think it's about like burning it at the optimal temperature and the nail being able to keep it at that temperature for a while. Like this one, when you watch it on the dab, right? Drastically drops in temperature. Like I feel like I sound bad, but like the, the dab that you had probably would have been even more, you would have gotten more terps if it was a little fresher of a nail, honestly. So how often do you recommend to swap out the nail? Personally, I think it's just like how many dabs went off it. And it's not something that you can be like, oh, it's a thousand dabs. Like, I think it's just something like you as like a hash nerd and like knowing For the terps. You, how often is it about? I would say this was like, this was after like five months of me using it. But I mean, I'm kind of just smoking this nail at my house by myself, you know? So if you you're smoke. like, have a like a trap spot or something in LA, you got hella people coming through, like that nail might only last like a couple months because there's tons of people taking dabs off of that nail, you know? And if you're not meticulous with cleaning it after, obviously if you're spending $500 on the nail, you want to properly clean it because it's going to get you more longevity out of your nail. So like, you know, making sure to clean it right away with alcohol and keeping it in a pristine shape, you're going to get more heat retention out of it all in all, you know? So it good makes a massive course. difference, man. Cause when you smoke out of someone's rig who has the proper setup with hash of this quality, it's mind blowingly different than when you go to someone's rig that's dirty or, or something. And it's like some all mediocre hash. It's some, it's just, it's not even the same. And then to take it up a notch with like the slurper and then the temperature having it gauged with the dab, right? Yeah. So now you're getting, and so people that don't, you know, you're literally gauging the exact temperature that that nail falls to. And now that's something that I think a lot of smokers don't think of is that the nail, the actual quartz gets thinner as you use it and it actually retains heat less. So you're getting a less even burn across a longer amount of temperature or a longer amount of time. And uh, that's an unbelievable uh, perspective, man. I think people have had nails for years. And as yeah. long as they keep it clean, they say it's the same. Like, it's clean. Yeah, like you this one looks that, you know? pristine. Like when you look at it, it looks like pretty much brand new. Like I could get that little spot off on the back right there or whatever. It looks pretty much brand new, but the heat retention mm -hmm. like isn't the same. So 
I always clean it after every use, but it just it just happens. You know? Let's fire that bag boy up, man. I, what's <laughs> the, let's do it. If there was one strain of hash you could have back, a jar, one jar that you could have back that you just you reminisce about, what would it be? One jar of hash. Just that, that one jar of hash. You're like, man, I wish that was still back in the freezer. Okay. I had, I don't know if it was kosher kush or Khalifa kush or what it was, but like way back in the day, I was given a clone that said KK on it. And I made um, some, actually, believe it or not, this sounds crazy. I made some flour rosin out of it. That was actually crazy fire. And then also I washed some of like the, I would do this thing back then where I would like hang dry the plants for like three days or something. Uh, and then I would wash it. So I would call it like whole plant fresh cured. I don't know. Like I saw some other people coining that term way back in the day too. I mentioned him early in the podcast, Baker's bubble. He would kind of way back in the day would talk about that sort of a thing. Um, and it's basically like you hang dry your plants for just a little bit for a couple of days, get some of the moisture content so you can wash it. Sometimes I think some strains that wouldn't wash um, fresh frozen potentially could get a little bit more yield, believe it or not, after it's been dried a little bit. Like I don't run dry material anymore because like I've been talking about just nonstop is terps. Like I feel like the most terps come from whole plant, fresh frozen material, you know? Um, so that jar of KK. So that jar of KK though. Ooh. Yeah. Even though it was like whole plant fresh cured, it was hang dried for like two days. I like washed some of it and it was crazy. It didn't yield at all. It was super sticky, but it was just the craziest cush, like buttery, gassy flavor. That was just amazing. That like, I wish I could. And I don't know if it was what it was. I don't yeah. know if it was kosher kush, Khalifa kush. I don't know really what it was. It was just given to me as KK. I'm going to guess it was DNA genetics, but probably, yeah. yeah. It, it sounds like it, which but like, man. it's like, that's not like yeah. a super rare strain, right? So like, Co it's kind of crazy kosher to think kush, that, yeah. But so fire. So many people have renamed the real kosher kush cut, like their brands OG or yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, I mean, that kosher kush cut, the original kosher kush releases, I think are behind a lot of OGs that are renamed. Yeah. That's, that was a bad badass one yeah yeah i mean see uh what were you saying fired up man sorry i interrupted we started getting oh, yeah. oh yeah i'm we'll fucking get one here soon yeah we <laughs> <laughs> oh hell yeah we just been chatting we haven't been let's smoking up. what let's put, yeah. let's put bigs on the heavy fog yeah let's i would love to it, man let's do I'm it electing let's him close to my heavy eyes fog. i'm gonna close, close my eyes and open my finish them off we're gonna open up the third let's eye right now off. Close the other two and open up the third. Finish them off before the party tonight. He's going to be strolling around. Let's get this engine started. Let's get the engines going. <laughs> I feel like certain terpenes actually react with uh, brain function. And uh, a lot of times when I smoke Skittles, the amount of like psychoactive cannabinoids is what I call them, right? Where I feel like when I smoke it, I start to, my mind will start to go in a place where I get really creative. <laughs> And I could start to I'm writing lists and things. Wow, what if I did a design like this? And man, I should name a strip. Next thing I know, I'm up and I'm tapping my foot and I'm in the garden and I'm like messing with plants. And I'm like, and then I realize that half an hour later, like, damn, look at me. I was done for the night and it's 1230 or that year. And I'm back in the garden because I smoked some strain that got me like, you know, thinking again. And yeah, let me yeah. see though about the one thing that, what was I? And then I'll start to, and you just, I find it with very specific terps. No, not with all. Do Me too. 100%. This Skittles too. We have some Skittles yeah. on the table here. Yo, that is straight creative juice for me. Shout like, out to love that. I feel like I made Organics. that OGKB label 
was powered by the Skittles jar because like <laughs> I was up super late just like smoking the Z. But I, I, my first experiences with Z were like super like creative highs mm -hmm. like that too. So it's one thing that I've always like remember about Z or it's like a mark that I always look for, I guess. Uh, but yes, a lot of, a lot of strains, I feel like not a lot, but they provide a more energetic, like high for me. For instance, I feel like, like fruitier things kind of give me more energetic of highs. Like a lot of the time, you know, um, high in terpenes. I think it has something to do with that. It's like aromatherapy. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of gets you a little giddy almost. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Papaya <laughs> is another great one for that. Yeah. Papaya. Man, right. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense too, because when you think about it, like those strains maybe wouldn't have like the potency that like an eight week strain would because they finish a lot more quickly. You know, like I've heard of people cutting their papaya at like 45, even yeah. like super, super early, you that know, white papaya. Yeah. yeah. That white, bright, <laughs> yeah. which is like, I don't know if I agree or disagree with that, but yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, but I think that's one thing that we know too, is like, so when people are like, yo, is it a sativa or indica? I think it's like, I don't know if those are necessarily the right terms anymore, right? Because it's like we know that Most you can just take like a plant hybrid. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, you know, it's like, and I feel like if you just left the plant like going forever, like the trichomes are gonna degrade into CBD or CBC, CBN. CBN. Yeah, excuse me, CBN. So like, it's gonna just turn into amber trikes which, eventually, which, which is sleepy high. You know, it's so like we can make munchies, anything. Yeah, you, you can think hungry and tired, and it's like, damn, that's kind of the effects you really don't want as much honestly yeah. most you know and that's the kind of beauty of it like each for cultivator can for kind of choose people, they right need high cbn you know for like uh people during chemotherapy people having a hard time eating and stuff high cbn go high cbn oh, yeah. Yeah. you and should deal with cure aged flower mm -hmm. but for like creatives and people wanting to be like stimulated off cannabis you need fresh uh you know fresh cannabis and then you know high terpenes, high terpenes. Mm -hmm. To, man, it does. It makes such a but good Skittles difference. But Skittles terpene, unique, undefeated when it comes to like you need to do stuff that day and you still want to smoke weed. Like, right? Have some Skittles, you know, and you can smoke all day. Oh yeah, get for shit sure. done. So. Big shout out that crew for keeping that strain alive all the years that it yeah. has, and for keeping such a unique strain that the whole community loves. There's not a person. I mean, if you don't like Skittles, it's it's you're the odd man out. You right. know, I, it, everyone loves it. It's so Shout damn out to fire. NorCal Organics for this collab, right? Yeah, yeah. That's Pretty was grown by him. Yeah, that greenhouse too is so cool that he has. <coughs> it's like a hermetically sealed greenhouse with light assist. Super good. Oh yeah, I like wrote Dude. on the side of that one like what samples or whatever. OGZ. OGZ. So I know you said you did OZK. I guess I just learned about this, but it's um it's SFVOG times Z, but it's not from the Skittles crew. So I don't really know like oh, if Lord. it's controversial or something like that. But yeah. Honestly, I'm not 100% sure who who bred it, but I yeah, Mendoza Farms, yeah, something like that. That's insane. But, um but it's super fire. I really like that one a lot. So what's it like going? I mean, what, should we get back into his history? Yeah, I kind of jumped around. No, I know. Because well, I feel like right. I do want to tell a little bit more of yeah. like the solving this history. Because like back when I first was like when, when I first started Trichedelics, there was only a few brands I feel like out there that were like dropping solventless, you know, mm -hmm. um, it was not readily available. Everything was like in half grams. So like my first drop was at Redwood Coast Collective in Santa Cruz. And then also like the, I had a little bit as well. It was like maybe like Sounds familiar, two ounces. 
Yeah, right. It was like one of the few I think clubs we almost there. Maybe knew of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. sounds familiar for sure. That was like my f- official first drop so, in the Prop 215 days. Duh. You were, you were, yeah, yeah. You were, so you were living in the house, the roommate situation with the tent. When did you, at which part of the story did you maybe leave there? Or okay, like, yeah. So I left there. Like Trichedelics was no nothing involved yeah. with that house. I actually yeah. had like a gross in, in between that, a shared grow with someone that I had met through Oaksterdam. And uh, we kind of like went our separate ways. We didn't know what we were doing. We actually had a bigger room than I've ever ran than I currently have right now. We had like a 14 light like garage set up and um, dude, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have the right genetics. Damn. We didn't know what we were doing. Uh, it's a nice little project. We though. got dude, honestly, it's embarrassing to say now, but like, you know, we had like some bug issues. So we like lost half of the room. We literally just, we weren't putting the true amount of like, time that it needed to to make that room come to life and like we had our own little discrepancies but i don't need to be getting too deep into that portion but that was like the first shared grow and then from there i moved out to um a little further north of san francisco and uh that's like kind of where i currently am right now and um that's where I started trichedelics in that house. Like I have basically all my stuff is house stuff. You know, I'm still back in the prop 215 days. I feel like I'm stuck in the prop 215 days, but you know, I just have a small little house grow and uh, I started a four light grow there. I got like, you know, two, three cycles under my belt. And I felt like I had really quality product. You know, I was making drops to dispensaries. Like I made a drop to 1944 ocean before I had trichedelics just like as flowers and then also actually i think i did have trichedelics at this point but i also did some flower drops with uh rcp sacramento back in the day yo what up it's blackleaf i'm here at grow generation and guess what drip hydro storm in the market all the best growers i know are switching to it and guess what there's a reason because it's preserving terps i keep hearing that preserving terps and that's why we're here with sunshine facility advisor facility manager overall the man with drip hydro listen to why it's different man what's going on guys sunny here with drip hydro thing is at the end of the day we just wanted to make a simple clean cost effective nutrient line that nobody has really seen on the market right now nobody uses really our chelation formulas uh the micronutrients that we have pulled to make this line is really just what makes it overall bringing that consistency and quality back to what we want to see in growing herb again and overall at the end of the day it's still really light on your wallet it's a five-part nutrient line and again if you're not staying sterile or you have a big facility and you don't want to run rock wool and you want to run a mix of cocoa with an enzyme or something you don't even have to run flow with it so at the end of the day it's just saving you money on your wallet while bringing the consistency and the quality of terps back we wanted to bring the terps back and bring the soul back to growing versatility cost effective and quality i mean what else can you ask for drip hydro first smoke of the day Blackleaf approved. Peace. Damn, this place is huge. I gotta get what I need and get out of here, man. I'm in a rush. What? Whoa, Blackleaf? Oh, you already know. What are you doing here? I basically live here. Grow Generation, can filters, Power SI, Athena products, Lux Lighting. Man, I mean, I basically live here. Grow Generation store is the largest hydroponic store I've ever been to. It's crazy. The largest hydroponic retailer in the nation with over 60 locations. So you know they got one near you. It's growgeneration.com and at growgeneration on Instagram. Tell them first smoke of the day sent you. No, these are all staples and Keep legends in the industry, bro. Your name yeah. is the biggest so you in the got your own place. 
you 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 got your grow. You're doing your first drops. Yeah, doing the first drops. Redwood Coast Collective in South Sacramento Care Center, which is the home of the Village. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're still actually out there or not. The but, Village um, had that that purple punch. Oh yeah, the purple punch. And that was our like, first OG and originally the mimosa too, right? too. I washed the mimosa for him like way back in the day, the V6, yeah. and it was super fire. Doesn't he have a special Fino or so? Someone he, said there's he like he a strawberry like Fino or purple punches I fucked with. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The original. You know what I liked from them too at the time. Like this was a long time ago before it got played out. But yeah, they had this LA Con that I liked a lot too. Believe it or not, LA Confidential. Yeah, they had multiple fire sham, but their punch was like better than ever. The Village is a great grower. Yeah, he's a phenomenal grower. He's always been crushing it. I mean, from back in the day, he was a trendsetter. You know, from yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. So South Sac Care Center, though, famous spot. Yeah, That's that, I feel like that place is what put me on the map because the drop at Redwood Coast Collective, I'm super appreciative for them, but it was like super micro. While like I think it was like a two and a half ounces in half grams was the first trichedelics drop at South Sacramento Care Center, and um, I had sourced the Starburst OG from some guy from from someone named mariano i think his name was i'm not a hundred percent sure but he was up in sacramento and he had the starburst og and at the time i didn't even know any history about it i didn't really know what cash like was i had smoked a little bit of the starburst from uh from like matt rise and stuff like that so after my first cycle of that that was my drop at south sacramento care center and cash tree mason actually went and drove and picked up a jar of it and like posted about it and was like yo this is fire starburst og and i feel like that is what like set my brand the tone of my brand like cash was kind of super early on i feel like at least for when i was following him of like the the super niche small craft batch like stuff or whatever and like him like marketing in a specific way like that um so i feel like that really put me on the map and got a lot of people like in the industry to kind of like back with me and go and pick up the product so I feel like I was blessed because my my product turned into like not like right off the bat but I feel like that made it to where it was like the people who worked at the dispensary were the ones buying the trike drops like the workers like I started dropping at Jungle Boys and shit eventually too and like a lot of it was just in-house going in-house they would say they're like dude we're buying a a lot of it to smoke on too so I feel like (laughs) it was like the industry stuff to smoke on um but yeah, everything was half grams back then. So like if you can imagine like a two and a half ounce drop and and in half grams and it would take like still like over a week and a half or two weeks to move that amount of product because solventless wasn't huge then, you know, rosin was not a thing like back then trichedelics, uh, it used to say trichedelics ice water extracts actually on the top of it because like the rosin hadn't hit the surface. Uh, so everything was just melts and like, I want to say like, I was talking about this the other day in my live, but uh, back then, like we would be like, oh, this is true six star or whatever. And I feel like the quality of six star back then was really like five star. Like our vision of quality has like gone up so much in the past five years that like it took numerous hash makers of like dropping some hash that was like actually true six star to be like, oh wait, this is the actual true 
echelon of hash that everyone needs to strive for. And then that like set the new bar for everything. But for a long time, like full melt hash, I feel like was being sold and it was, it was like five star, you know, it wasn't people trying to take advantage like of the market either. It was just like, that's what we thought the most, that's what we thought was the cleanest oil that you could get from a hash was, you know? It's almost like an Olympic guy, like an Olympic runner, right? And it's like, no one can beat eight seconds. And then someone does it and they're like, oh, yeah, okay. And, and then the someone mile, goes, the, the, the record of the mile. Exactly. And there's then like, like 28 people the next year beat it. Yeah. Like he beats it. Then like the next year, it was like 28 people beat it. So it just, just shows you the, you yeah, know, exactly. The, the standard, like, the that's level the of standard. New, yeah. That's the new like minimum, I guess, of it's being like, like if you're going to drop six star, like it's crazy what it probably is now. Oh, you it's know, in it's, the sixes, I think, or something crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah, like it's crazy. Yeah. Earlier than <laughs> but, uh, but it just shows shit. you, too. Now you're also having gardens that say, oh, I grow for hash. So now they're tailoring the whole garden to like back what you're doing. That yeah. changes everything, too. Exactly. Exactly. And like, dude, back then, yeah, like telling people to freeze their crops, they would be like, what are you talking about? You know, like. That's absolutely insane to freeze your stuff. Even trying to tell people, I'll just be like, yo, you should, uh, if you, if anybody ever wet trims, which I know is like no one really wet trims their weed, but like rarely you could find someone that I would like trim for or something that would have wet trim and I would run it and it would be really a lot more fire than the dry, obviously too. So, but it took a, I feel like it took a while for the fresh frozen to fully catch on. Yeah. Well, for gardens to trust the hash maker too, to be like, Oh, you're going to take a $50,000 or $60,000 crop and uh, you're going to turn this into hash and I'm going to trust that you're not going to get back like, you know, a couple grams. Yeah. And or, or product I can't sell, too, because a lot of guys are like, well, I've been selling flour. Now I got to sell what, you know, but they I've had it to where the relationship builds with hash makers to where like they'll buy all of it back even. So I know, yeah, go, yeah, I know yeah. growers that are like, oh, I just get my head stash in hash and I get paid in cash. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. whoa, this is the dopest dabber sure. I've dabbed with. Yeah. That's for sure. That's a Bubba's face dabber. He like Super literally fire. fabricates. I think that's the right term. He like fabricates that. He literally one. hand makes those, dude. So there you go. Super beautiful. Oh my God. You're He's ready? going in right there. Actually. He told me go big one. Whoa, dude. Hot God said go no, big. Dude, no, take as big of a dab as you yeah, want. No, this is the one. I feel like hey, this will make for good content. My, we my, hash, over here, right? my yeah. hash is your hash. So <laughs> take as whatever you Thank want. Thank you. You guys got to be on the uh, the YouTube uh -oh. to see what's going on Sign now. Your medicine. Yeah. You and got a second. I'm going to hand it to you like right before. Usually the dabber is like such a flimsy thing that people pass around. This is like a. This is like a, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it feels great. Like it has levels. nice integrity in your hand. It Fucking just like man feels shit. great. We got Joe Rogan in the head of the, the, the turf. <laughs> you get to stare right into Joe Rogan's eyes as you take a fast. Bro, so like when I first got the slurper, I like hella needed some uh, a, a, a cap for it. Hold on, and it was either oh that was the one. Holy fuck. <laughs> Wow. Get in there, Biggs. Bro, did it work? Wow. Bro, this one's got some terps. Finish it. Works. I hope that wasn't hot. No, this is... He likes it. was hot, right bro. on temp. This guy's like, an animal. See, that's why earlier an you were like, what's Biggs, the perfect Biggs, temp? Biggs, like, Biggs. some people like them spicy. Some people want them super low. I like them low. spicy. <laughs> I like them spicy. <laughs> it it nah, depends nah. on what time oh, of shit. day, Finish dude. Finish it off. Finish it off, player. Bro, holy shit. Whoa. Oh, no. Hold on, hold on. Join the left hand. Uh -oh. Dab rig in the right hand. He's chasing it down here. 
fire, bro. Damn, dude. Joe Rogan milked it. Killer. Killer, bro. Wow. Fucking whole things. You mean fucking annihilate. Is your head you spinning? You want me to clean this off or no. you got the okay. Give it hand, yeah. I'm gonna mess it up if I do. I, I know that like, watch no, how he does dude. this too. He takes the whole thing though. And remember how you some people are gonna it? freak out because like some people are like you gotta let it cool first, but I just no, go straight in, you know. Do. And I, at home, I'll do honestly, I'll do two dunking stations too. Like on, oh, on I'll just do the first one because at first, like you know, <laughs> like I said, pro level. Yeah, you know. Honestly, you thought, I feel like that you was thought a you hot were an dab. expert, and then you saw it, that and then you met Trichedelics. Was taking a step further. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, you that, two dunkers. I haven't seen no one do two. two. That probably destroyed no. you because that just like destroyed the thing. The like, nail, right? Hot. We're done. That was hot. I feel great. I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> the hash oh, works. Holy shit, yo, oh, the fuck. hash works. <laughs> that's that's his bro. That's his signature because this is the thing. The dude. level of hash. I can see your care, bro. I can see the way, even the way you talk and the way you move, the level of care and thought, it translates into this because I've seen one or two of these flavors, maybe, you know, a Skittles or the, but this one is insane. And this heavy fog, I mean, that's, that's a leg breaker. Yeah. That one's Ooh. special, man. That one's special. I'm excited to take a dab with that one too. I haven't smoked it in forever, oh, dude. Yeah. When it gets ready, fire Feel it up. I mean, it looks like you already roasted your, uh. Your nail. Oh, yeah, thought, we got a little bit of a hottie right there. I feel bad. I'm the one handing out the dabs here, so I kind of failed you. I'm right that there, guy, though. That's the thing. That sometimes you're, cursed, you're cursed with the, the That's his end. I mean, he just fucks shit up. No, know? no, it doesn't just, matter what it is. <laughs> this guy, that's crazy. how he looks at it. No, I'll take a hot dab, though. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just up. kidding. No. People that take hot dabs, red flag. Red flag. You red might flag. have a dirty rig, too. <laughs> yeah, dirty rig, red dirty flag. Rig, right. You know, dirty feet. You, you are, are the company that. you keep. You are the company you keep. <laughs> no, and that's well. One of the things you like talking about is active stoners. Kind of, we started talking yeah, about. Yeah, but yeah. I love. I love that you're about that. He's uh, Pat Gods is real about that. And uh, one of the things he does is like a check in between the team. We've and been between, trying to okay. get bigs to check in. So if you can help me when you hit the gym, tag Blackleaf. Tag and Blackleaf. Say, Yo, check in, bro. Yep. Yo, check, check in. in. We're on this we're journey. We're coming together we're as a community and health as well. Without yeah, it, you yeah. got nothing. Dude, hell you yeah. Know? Especially the way you work and travel, bro. The way you have to work and shit, you got to keep up Keeps with that. Keeps you motivated yeah, yeah, yeah. and positive, too. It does, man. I mean, Gives dude. Gives you an edge. It's a, it's, I mean, I have a, a really small team. I have two other people who will like help me with non-production things like so all the hash that you smoke from trichedelics like it was washed by me it was pressed by me you know i'm having them do and i still do cleaning things and stuff like that but i'm having them do a lot of like the cleaning stuff so i can focus more on just the production like I don't want to make it seem weird, but I guess kind of like similar to a kitchen, you know, it's like the, the, the chef is going to do, well, I guess a little different because the sous chefs are doing a lot of the work in that scenario. But, uh, but no, like I want to be hands-on creating the actual stuff. I want to be hand washing the product or however I'm going about washing it during that wash. I want to be the one who's spinning it in the lab, seeing the quality of the resin inside the bag. I want to see the quality of the resin after it's pressed, you know? Um, it makes sense because you can actually affect the product in that stage where cleaning afterwards 
you personally versus someone else cleaning, it's not going to be that big of a difference as long as they do a great job in their detail. But you affecting, you knowing the experience you've had, the 10,000 hours to looking at the bags to knowing, oh, this is starting to stick a little bit or (laughs) what's going on with this and being able to pivot at the right moment with a hash batch or with a, a mix or whatever, a blend, whatever it is, is different. You moving on the fly. It's like uh, it's like saying, you know, a lineman can do a, a move on the field like a, a, a I, you know what I'm saying? Like a, like someone catching a pass. It's like an audible is not going to happen that quick. Yeah. You know, you, you're on the field. You're like audible left. This is sticking. Move down the temperature. I mean, it's just different. You The way you can affect the outcome of the hash versus cleaning versus some of the other stuff. It makes yeah, such a difference. Definitely, definitely. And it's not to say that, like, you can't have a large team and make fire hash. You know, I know companies that make fire hash that I smoke and they have a really large team as well, you know. But um, I like to be super hands-on with it because I have kind of micro-batch stuff. And I think, yeah, the 10,000-hour thing, going back to that, you know, it's like it's – other people have a vision of quality, but it's like my vision of quality that, that, that runs the brand. Right. So I feel like I need to be the one who knows what it's like. If I'm, if I'm separated from one of the part of the process, like something could have happened in one of the processes that affected the product to a point where I'm like, Oh, it's not what I would want now. And like, I don't want it to be packaged or, you know, whenever you start delegating a lot of things to other people or even like when it comes to washing is like if you're hand washing or I guess when it comes to hand washing in specific too, actually like two people are going to hand wash at like different, I want to say vigor levels, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, I know I have like a certain pace that like I'm doing whenever I'm hand washing. And even sometimes you'll see like a video on IG of someone washing and like, they're like much faster or like, they're doing their own little thing. So I think like you could get a literally wash the same material from the same grow and have two different people like washing the same duration of time. So as you did like a 12 minute first wash or something like that. But one of them was like, just like going crazy with it. And the other one was like super gentle with it. Like the person who was super gentle, like probably is going to get a lot cleaner of an extraction. Right. And it's like finding that delicate balance of, getting the perfect clean extraction and still being able to get all of the trichomes off in like, you know, in a timely manner without having to pull a billion times, you know? Wow. That's intense, man. To think that, you know, even just the, the different person and you, you made it extreme, but probably just minute changes in the way you wash or the, even the way you the move the paddle. Even I bet I'm guessing which paddle you use. Yeah, I mean, I think the the paddle you use definitely can help uh, help or affect it for sure. You know, because like I've gone through. You know, I know a lot of people are using the ones that have like it's from the pure pressure team, and they holes have like those little holes inside mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, uh, Professor Sift has that as like his logo, super mm-hmm. dope as logo, and um, that one definitely makes it easy. It's like to like cut through. You know, I've also used some that look like uh, I saw. A photographer online who washes i think schwale his name is do you follow that macro photographer yeah. dude he takes the craziest pictures of trichomes ever so yeah he was talking about it was actually called a piano whisk it's like this giant metal looking it looks like a whisk like um, uh, a metal whisk that you would like whisk like some eggs or like your pancake batter or whatever but picture that like the size of the white paddle with the holes in it and it's like kind of like that um like i felt like you're I tried it as well because I saw him using it. I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna try that as well. I felt like 
I was doing the same duration of wash, but I was getting more contaminant being pulled from that, you know? So maybe I was being more vigorous than he is, you know, or whatever, you know? So, but that all those things do really affect it. But I know I've heard a lot of people talk too about like, oh, is it machine washed or is it hand washed? And like, that's like a controversial thing. And like, I started off like all the first trike drops, those are all machine washed. I think like nowadays people associate with machine wash with like those giant vessels and the shit, you know, and the, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's not to say that you don't make, you can't make quality with that, but I think it's just intimidating to be like, Oh, this person's throwing 40,000 grams of product inside of here and like washing it. And like, rather than like this person's putting like 10,000 grams or something in like a smaller amount. So, um, I started off washing. It's all about like how you're doing it. You know, I, cause I personally feel like as a hash maker, I want to, I want to be the best hash maker that I can and to be the best hash maker I can. I want to know how to do it in all the ways, you know, I want to know how to machine wash. I want to know how to hand wash, you know, and I know I've been jumping around so much in this, but like yeah. one thing I can say too, is I was there before freeze drying too. So like I can say, I know how to air dry hash without a freeze dryer, you know, which is not, it's not rocket science, but it's not super easy, you know, back to the days where you used to use baking racks, um, those like 20 tier baking racks, you know, that like go into the walk-in ovens. Um, I had like bought a pair of those actually. Um, some guy in San Jose in the Bay, he had like ran this like vegan tofu thing. So he didn't bake in the racks at all. So they were still brand new, but he had a failed business. So I like bought the racks from him. And that's when I, you know, started drying my hash originally. All the trichedelics hash originally was like microplane and grated or sieved and air dried. Um, on those baking racks and shit. You'd literally put like two grams at a time on a tray that's like, I don't know, what is this? Like two and a half feet by like a foot and a half wide. You would put two to five grams spread thin on that tray. And like, just for perspective, like now, like one of the biggest hash making flexes is you post the fucking harvest right tray full of some 90U trichome first pull for first pull trichomes. And um there's like, you know, as much as like 300 fucking grams right there, dude. Mm -hmm. And it was like back then you would have like these little patties. You'd be, it would take me like so after the washing day, you know, I wash all my shit for the day. I have my patties freezing, getting ready to to um to grate i would let it freeze for like anywhere from i mean i can get more into the hash details in, in a little bit but yeah i would let it freeze for like 10 8 to 10 hours maybe like total or excuse me no i'm, I'm what am i saying i would say five to six hours actually at most i had a freezer that was really cold and i would just feel it actually i put some gloves on and make sure that it felt like rock to the touch and that's what would make me know that okay i'm ready to grate so like after the washing day, I would basically sleep for like three, four hours, wake up and then great. And it would take me like four hours sometimes, dude, three hours to grate. Like, dude, if you had 200 grams of hash, 250 grams of hash, like grating it in these little patties and these tiny amounts was like super difficult, you know? 
uh, it would take you fucking four or five hours after you've already washed for the full day. Like nowadays, you're done with your wash. It's in the freeze dryer. Like all you have to do is the cleanup, right? It's like, no, it was like after all the cleanup and everything back in the air dry days, you were having to whatever method, whether you're breaking it down through a sieve to air dry or whether you're freezing and microplaning it, like you have another like f- almost full wash day of like getting it prepped for air drying, you know? So it was like, I feel like the freeze dryer is one of the key components in which why solventless is the huge market that it is today. Like obviously, right? Because it's what it made it to where it was scalable to where you could outdo the BHO game. I feel like, you know, people could come into, they could come from the BHO market, come into and and do similar numbers to what they were with the BHO with solventless because they could run so much material at a time through the freeze dryer, you know? Um, so it, I don't know. Yeah. I think I got on this tangent cause I want to know how to do all the styles of washing. So I don't, I want to say that don't think that because this product is machine washed or this one's hand washed. I don't think that it's safe to say that we should be judgmental on the hash that's inside of the jar based on the way that it was washed. Like, I don't know. For me personally, I want to go in with a blank slate, every jar that I open up, whether it's my hash or someone else's hash, you know, and then if I think that it's really great, then I'm really intrigued to be like, Hey, how was this grown? You know, you know, like kind of going into the thing of like, Oh, is it organic? Is it synthetic? Like, don't get me wrong. I really cherish organic products, but if it's fire resin that was synthetically grown, like that's what I'm here for to, to highlight fire resin, you know? So I'm not biased to the way that it was obviously if it was sprayed and it was grown in a dirty way, I'm not okay with that, but um, I'm not biased to the style of growing. If you're producing a really healthy trichome head, you know, Um, and same thing with the hash, you know, it's like, we shouldn't be like, Oh, this is machine wash. This isn't good. Or like only hand wash stuff is good. It's like, you can make bad hash out of hand wash stuff as well. You know, you can make fire out of machine wash as well too, you know? So that's a great way to look at it, man. Just like let the hash speak for itself. Yeah. And then the follow up is like, wow, this is exceptional or this didn't work. How, why was it didn't why didn't it work or why did it work so well? Yeah, exactly. And like I always Skittles. say the nose knows, you know, if, if you like if the nose knows, you know, if you like it, like it's amazing. You know, right. Can't and so the journey of making hash, though, it started there. Where does it go from like microplaning and now harvest rights and like and now you actually getting collabs with like the biggest and hardest to get collabs in the game, kind of most of them? Yeah, um, I feel like it was a slow and steady, just like organic build for me, you know, like I was in the right place at the right time. Like I said, there wasn't a lot of solvableness companies when I first started everything was in half grams. I feel like the, the, it was an open playing field for even a new brand who had stuff that was comparable or even better than the other brands that were available on the market. Like nowadays, if you started a new brand, you could have super fire stuff, but because there is so many brands out there, like you even being highlighted is like really difficult. So like you know, there's people who like, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you make the best hash in the world. And like, I don't think that I think people make just as fire hash as me, you know, but the brand really does hold weight with what you're doing. And a lot of it goes into with like the, the, the quality of the work that you do, not just like the quality in the jar, but like, oh, this batch isn't good. Um, 
oh, it only yielded 1%. Like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to give all this back to the cultivator. Cause I know that they took a three month loss and I'm taking a two day loss, you know, for the processing of it or whatever. So, um, yeah, that's tough, but that just shows you're, I mean, you're in for well, the long you're haul. doing good business too yeah. and having a good rapport and that yeah. the word gets around about that. And then people are more open to working with you. Yeah. And it helps you, you know, be able to establish it's dope that like, you know, we kind of sped up that last part, but when you moved in and got your new spot, that became like what the real, yeah. real build of the brand. That became the re real build of the brand. I probably had like one or two cycles, like before I started the Trichedelics brand in that house. And like, honestly, the quality that I was dropping though, to the dispensaries, like I said, 1944 ocean, even before Trichedelics, it was so fire of the flowers too. And like, Man, I go back to then and I, I was actually dropping flowers and I, they were having white ashes and stuff and I would do the same recipes in the next, in the next cycle. It wouldn't be quite as good. So like, yeah, it was definitely, I felt like it was harder. I have more consistency with my hash runs than I do with, than I had with flowers, right? There was genuine times when I have flower runs where I could be like, oh, like, I don't want to drop this as trichedelics, right? going to get labeled as something else while like i never have single source starburst runs that are going to be going straight to hash that i don't drop like the only thing that i see fall off is like oh maybe the yield isn't as good this time i didn't get as much 90 u yield or whatever but the quality is never like compromised or whatever too so um that's interesting it makes you think that there's more organic material so there's more liability there's yeah. more issues that could happen meaning like even just humidity swings in the room versus hash right like you, it's almost like hash is a term of like microclimate where it's the same thing it's like you're dealing with a larger product with more organic material yeah so there's more variables exactly even so, just anytime yeah and like we learned i've learned harsh lessons too like sometimes you're like if you have a small team and you have like a big like 15 light room and it's like hard work to prep fresh frozen if you only have two people prepping like a big room and you started on a monday and you finished on the, uh, the the Sunday, like basically a week later, like that resin, in my opinion, is going to be at a different maturity level and potentially perform differently than it was the day that you originally started the harvest, you know? Um, wow, bro. That, I mean, that's a revelation right there. That, like for people to like, get on their ass to like harvest their rooms and run their shit and, yeah. and handle it in a timely fashion, like very strategic. Yeah. Yeah. Exposure um, rates almost you're talking about. Exactly. Exposure rates. And I know for me, like everyone's different. Like that's the beauty of hash. Everyone's a little bit different with the way that they like prep their material, the way they store it. Like for me, like my single source, like my whole thing is like, I want to get it off the plant and like into the freezer and like frozen and washed right away. For whatever reason, in my personal opinion, I feel like the most terpy hashes that I've ever created and, and washed and made are from freshly harvested weed. Like even within like like both all these starbursts that we've been smoking on, like that was within 13 hours of harvest washed, you know? So like those trichomes were on that plant live 13 hours ago, less than 24 wow. hours ago, they were live, you know? That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's it, when you think about it, I'm like, oh, it's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful because, like, whenever you get a jar of melt, like, the way to think about it is like a lot of times those trigome heads have like never even seen, like, the highest that they've seen temperature wise is like how, the highest temperature that they were in the grow room, right? And from that point on, they have been preserved in a, in a 
cold temperature the whole entire time. So like when you get it in your hand, like that's like the highest temperature those fucking trichome heads have ever experienced in their life. You know, like you're getting a really true plant essence on there, you know? So like, no, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I melt is very, very special to me. You know, I think, I think the melt is like kind of similar to, to, to the white ash thing, you know, it's like, it's much harder to, to produce a six star, true six star quality trichome than, than it is to like produce a really fire, um, rosin, you know? And, and every head is different. I think I'm blabbering a lot here, but no, yeah, I love every this. head is different, you know, like, so like, we'll talk about like the heavy fog compared to the, um, the starburst OG, you know, like the heavy fog, I feel like personally, I wouldn't want to drop that one as a melt because it's such a sticky strain. You know, I mentioned earlier, it starts sticking in the bag, even in a cold room, you know? So like the experience of like getting that into the jar is not going to be easy. Like you're not even going to be able to work with it inside of a cold room very well, you know? So like I wouldn't, and a lot of those heads, like were even a little bit ruptured, I feel like, when I'm collecting it. Well, when I'm collecting the Starburst OG trichomes, um, the the membranes, I guess, like, thick enough to where they're not rupturing in the wash, so I have fully intact heads. So, like, that's the style of, like, melt that I really want to draw. I want the, the head to still be intact, you know? So, like, if it's super ruptured, that's a signal for me to be like, this is being pressed. It doesn't mean that it's bad, but... A lot of times if it's ruptured, like it's not going to be a true six star, in my opinion, like you're going to pull a little bit of contaminant because in my mind, I'm like, okay, whenever the product gets a little bit sticky, the trichomes are like sticking together, then it starts like getting on the product and it's just like wants to like rip off and grab other things and like glue, like glue. Yeah. And honestly, like with, with, I call those like sticky bag strains and some of them are like super bad i've heard other i'm not saying i made that term i've heard other people use that term as well other hash makers and that's just like the term that you would use for any resin head or any trichome head that like in the wash even in freezing cold temperatures that it's not it's too soft to be collected like i guess mechanically you know the only way you'd be able to extract that i guess like would be you know with like butane right with like a, a chemical aid um so yeah different types of trichomes call for different consistencies. Obviously like that heavy fog is some of my favorite rosin. But if, if you were to see the melt of it, you would be like, Oh, it's not the craziest. Like it's probably like 5.7 or like 5.8 star. You know, it's not a full six star. It'll leave a little bit of stuff on the nail. Cause it's not as clean of a separation, but obviously like that's one of the favorite jars on the table, I would say. Right. So like mm -hmm. the terps are there. So Everything has its own little niche, I feel like, you know, like every resin head can be like utilized for different things, you know? Can you tell when it's on the plant by just touching the strain usually? With no, like I can't. And like, I have a pretty good idea of it, but I'm, I'm one of the few hash makers who will be like, no, I can't because I've just been fooled too many times. Like I understand the concept and I do look for certain factors. Like I'm looking for tackiness, not greasiness. Um, so like what I would describe greasiness is, is like, if you were to touch a, a, a nug, uh, like with like your gloves on or whatever, and you touch your fingers together, it would feel more like oily grease, like olive oil greasy. I would describe more often times than not, those heads are too soft to be extracted in water. Right. 
or, or separated in water, like the heads just like explode inside of the wash. Right. So like you want to go for things that are kind of like tackier, you know, or like even if you like gently touch the plant, you'll you can even see like if you look under a microscope, like with the with starburst, like if you just like rubbed on a plant on accident, like bumped into it, like you'll see like full intact heads, like kind of like stuck on your glove, you know, it's like that's one of the marks that like I'm looking for, too. But I've been deceived before too. I don't have any of it out, but I had some of the Moombo from one of the cult from NorCal Organics out uh, as well. And um, when I was feeling it in the garden, like because I got to come out like a week and a half early to check the material and like pick it out and everything like that, which I feel calls for like some of the best collabs. You can be like, yo, this is the stuff, you know. Um, it felt greasy to me on the plant, and I was honestly worried about it. You know, I was like, Oh shit, if I take all this and it's like greasy, you know, it felt really greasy to me on the plant, but for whatever reason, it was one of the best performers out of all of, all of the bunch that we got, you know, in terms of yield and quality and everything. Um, so if I would have just been like, Oh, this is greasy. I'm done. You know, like I wouldn't have done it, you know? And if I would have been like with the heavy fog, Oh, this is greasy. It doesn't wash. We wouldn't um, be smoking that heavy fog right now, you know? So it's like, just put it in the freaking water and just like, see what it's like, you know? Yeah. Have that Damn. trust between the cultivator and the hatch maker to, to see what happens. Cause magic. Don't been be afraid happening. to create. Yeah. Boom. And like the way that it trans, like not everything translates over, you know, like obviously I, I talk about low key a lot. We do a lot of work together. So like I mentioned the cherry tricks earlier, but like my personal opinion is like the cherry tricks shines way more as a hash, same with the starburst than it does as a, a, a flower. You know, it's like more like subtle and almost like some of those cherry terps or whatever evaporate off or something in that drying process or something. I don't know really the science behind that, but like I feel like in the hash, I'm obtaining something that I smell when I touch it on the plant. And when you like smell the dried flower, it's not like it's not, it's just not as present that fruitiness that I was like fell in love with. Right. Mm -hmm. So some things just really transfer over way better through the water, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, and do you see certain flavors that come in as like waves, like papaya, Skittles, where just like, I feel like everybody demands these flavors. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? for sure. See, it's crazy that like just certain strains come in and change the game in waves. For yeah, hash. exactly. Like papaya was like one of the biggest ones. I feel like one of the first ones for me when I think about it is like cookies and cream. I want to say it's the CNC 13, like that that winning pheno from back in the day. It was like creamy, like Oreo weird like flavor. Like it's delicious. Um, that original collab, I remember Cuban Hashmaker with uh, yeah. Exotic Genetics Mike. Yeah, exactly. That's massive. And then I mean, Cookies and Cream 13. Boom. Yeah, dude. I mean, that was an epic. That was one of the ones that I feel like str at least put the option of doing solventless on the table because they were like, even from trim, I remember the word around like to all the hash makers was like, off of dry trim, you're going to get 20 plus percent. And you were like, what? That's crazy, you know, like 20% off of trim. Like, this is nuts, you know? Um, so I feel like that was one of the first strains that was like massive dumpers, you know? It gave people the leeway to say, well, shit, let me see what I can do with it. Because if once you have that buffer of that, you know, you're not going to be skimmed where you're like, I have no profit. I did this all for nothing. Once you know that you have a little more of a buffer and you're like, well, okay, 20% on some hash, 
all right, let me press some of it. Let me whip some of it. Let me do this. Yeah. Let me do that. And now you start to get like, yo, check out what I did. And it's a different tech than what you see other people doing. You started to see exploration through hash almost. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's why I like running. I like to try, it. you know, like I'm not going to lie. You know, it is always a little more tedious when you're like, oh, I can be doing a full run of a strain that's tried and true. But, you know, it is pretty invigorating when you find a new strain. Like, that's what I live for, too. So sometimes it is annoying. Like, my protocol is if I'm trying something new, I typically want to ask for, like, just 1,100 grams. Like, that's, like, what I like to do, which is roughly a half a unit. That's pretty standard for the hash makers. Like, Mm -hmm. a fresh frozen pound is about 2,200 grams, 2,250. Um, So that's what I like to do. I'll do like a small wash of 1100 grams. And I feel like with 1100 grams, I can tell you a lot about the the hash, you know, like, cause I'm going to get a good sample so I can try it as melt. I can try it as my Evro fresh press. I can try it as the cured. um, And I can actually get to know it, you know? Um, I get, I get time to, to grow with it. You know, don't get me wrong. Sometimes like the heavy fog in the PBG, bro. The first time I took the dab, I was like, fuck yeah. Like this <laughs> one is so fire. But sometimes it is like, I want to take a few dabs and I'm like, oh shit, this one is actually really special. You know? Um, that's an interesting perspective though. You're saying like, oh, I might like it better as fresh press, but maybe it's more versatile as cold cure. Or maybe I want to, you're almost like really taking some tech to the, for the grower, right? He's coming in trusting you with this this product and you're just taking it to the max of wherever it can go yeah like versatility wise exactly jeez exactly yeah um what do you think fresh press over cold cure uh, man i i get asked this pretty often too but man i i couldn't choose between the two like whenever I, right now i'm here and uh i have a little bit of i think i have a little bit of everything here on the table so uh i like to have everything in my arsenal i want to have some melt because my, I love the melt in specific because it gives me the most similar high to that of of like flour. Because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like there's a difference between like a rosin high and like a flour high. Like for me, the flour high is this full bodied experience. Like, and I feel like full melt can provide that as well. Uh, that's that same thing. Like when you do with the rosin, I don't know. I think it's something about like the heating of it, even though you're pressing it at low temps, like cannabinoids are changing right terps are changing in that time period and like the effect is more it's not like your body doesn't get high but i would say it's like most of it becomes cerebral Mm -hmm. right um so yeah that the the melt is beautiful for that that it gives you that full bodied effect still so unadulterated like trichomes whether it's like raw on the flour or like smoking raw hash like gives you a specific type of high you know um never thought of it like so that. like That's i like cool. to have it all you know i like to have all of them in the arsenal um well you know like let's say if i'm going to the beach or something and it's a hella hot day like maybe i'm not gonna bring the evro because like it's a little harder to work with that one um i mean sometimes i still will but you know if i'm just trying to be easy with it then i'll bring the cured out or whatever you know but i think if i'm trying to impress or just like show somebody who maybe is like isn't familiar with the brand or even isn't like a rosin smoker, I would show them a cured product because I feel like the cured product is more of like a, has more of a wow factor. Like a lot of times the Evro or like the fresh press, the, the flavors are, are a little bit more locked in there. You know, like if it's true fresh press, 
like I was talking about, you get to watch the nuances throughout the cure and the different smells that start like kind of coming out as it experiences and oxidizes or whatever, or as it ages and oxidizes. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's a little bit different experience. So I, I would bring certain things, but I like to have everything with me at all times if I can, you know, and use them for different reasons, you know? Man, your passion for the hash is just like second to none for real. Cause you start to explain it, it makes me even rethink even how smoking hash where I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Full melt gives you that full body. So you can like, if you're people like, oh, I'm just a flower smoker. It's like, no, preserving the heads and having a preserved head product will give you that same effect. Yeah. So it's like, and then now you're even talking about, you know, oxidizing fresh press and having a different experience from the first time you dab it to the last time you dab it. Yeah, exactly. That's epic, man. That's really cool. That just reminded me of like where I got lost in that was like, okay, so like at first, like if I was to show you two of the exact same, um, like from the exact same batch, same strain, like if I showed you the Starburst OG single source Evro, the fresh press, and then I showed you some of the cured, like I feel like you undoubtedly everyone in the room would be like this cured smells better or like it smells louder, they would say, you know, because it's had time to oxidize and cure those terpenes are now like out and in. But at the end of the day, like that cured rosin came from the fresh press so like the terps are inside of there it's not like they just spawn out of nowhere right so um yeah like watching it develop is really cool and then also too people can have fun like if you're more like interactive with it i always enjoy when i see someone like with uh because all my fresh press or all the evro i drop it in the clear jars and the ice oil i drop in the clear jars so it's cool when i see a clear jar and someone has like cured or cold cured their own evro jar and it looks like just as beautiful as my cure i'm like oh fuck yeah that's so cool you know and i think they get a kick out of it too you know they get to play with it and be more like hands-on with it you know um makes it funner to have it yeah but if i'm just if i'm to talk about market i'm sorry i cut you off no i was just saying it's like an experience yeah yeah yeah, you know you get different experiences throughout so cool yeah but like when I talk about, if I was to just talk about the market and like what is like more in demand, like cured is 1000% more in demand. And it, I'm pretty sure for other people's brands, but like, I know for my brand, like I would say over 70% of all the rosin that's dropped is cured. Um, just cause of the ease of access. And that's what mo- most people I feel like want, you know, but don't get me wrong. I feel like the people who do appreciate fresh press, they're like, a lot of times they're like, maybe like have been smoking salt in this for a long time. They appreciate it in like a little different way. Not like they appreciate it more or anything, but like I find that they're like a more old school solvent list. Like they've been smoking solvents for a long time. If they really like to fresh press, you know, I think they're expert level heady. Cause this is why this is the thing is like for real, because you can take a fresh press pro level. I don't <laughs> know about expert. My bad. I don't know about don't, expert. Is there an expert? I, yeah. Okay. Definitely. You take a a fresh press jar and leave it out and then it cures, right? It'll basically like completely cure off. So it's like, yeah, those people are like, oh, this smells better when it's a cold cure, smells louder. It's like, yeah, because it's off gassing terps into the air. Yeah, exactly. So you smell it where the fresh press, it didn't go anywhere. I love that thought where it's like, so man, I want all my product as fresh press because then I can decide if I want to cure it. I just leave, I'll cold cure it myself or leave it out or play with it. You can always go through the stages from there. Yeah. Once it's cold cure, there's no going back to fresh press. Exactly. Yeah. 
So kind of going back to like, we'll circle back to when I was like, oh, I like to kind of save some of the flavors. So like you lose a genetic and you're trying to re-phenohunt it and re-bring re that flavor to life or whatever. Sometimes I do like to save one of the Ebro and one of the cured. Because like you're saying, like the cured is essentially just it's further along, right? So like the, the Evro, I can keep it in that state in the freezer really easily. And even if it cures ever so slightly in the freezer, it's still much fresher of an oil than the cured is. So like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's really special to be able to hold it in that way, you know? And it takes a little bit more time and effort. Like I feel like it's harder to achieve the translucency, like without any nucleation and buttering, like if you're pressing in large increments, I mean, I see people press in large increments and they make fire as well. But my whole thing with my brand is um, I'm pressing on the rosin technologies and I'm pressing like eight to 10 grams at a time, you know, which like seems like kind of ridiculous. And there's other big brands who are doing that too. Like honestly, I think 17 Labs still does that. Like I've seen them post their um, like rosin pressing and stuff on their IG before, and it looks like the rosin technology is pressed too. So, and I, I like I it love too. Seven ten, but I, I don't. You know, a lot of people do stuff for the gram too, so you never know. You're these right. Days. You never know what's happening, right? Yeah, so, yeah. But I don't want to speak I, on them too. Badass, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, man, but that's how boutique you brought it down to where, and you've obviously done bigger and been like, nope, I like it at this size. Yep, exactly, exactly. And I'm not trying to say like, oh, if it's not pressed in eight grams and it's not as good as my shit, like that's not at all what I think. But this is just the way that I like it. It maintains translucency and no nucleation. I can really judge the quality really well there. Um, since I am smaller batch, like I don't have to necessarily worry about being like, I got to make sure I'm pressing 100 grams in a press because I got kilos on kilos in the freezer. You know, it's like, no, I've got more of a curated menu that's like specifically selected to like to sell out essentially. That's like what my goal is, you know, um, farm to table, farm to table, For yeah. real, farm bro. to table, the way you handle it. It is man. It, this is boutique as boutique gets. Yeah. I, Fucking farm to dabber. Terps will put you farm in a to dizzy. Dabber. It is. It's, it's beautiful. And so, I mean, how do you start to get these collabs? How does that start to work up just to get these bigger and bigger collabs? Because now, you, I mean, NorCal Gardens, Mendoza Farms, uh, the homie Grow Low Key, I mean, on and on and on. So, like, I would say the first, like, um, collab that I did with, like, a reputable grower back in the day was this guy, Hempin' Ain't Easy. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him or not. Um, but we were doing some really cool collabs back in the day, and he was, like, friends with Straight Flame. So, like, I kind of... And I'm not like super close to straight flame or anything, but I was like introduced to the grape dime through him. So like I started finding different um, access to like material through Hemp and Ain't Easy. I feel like he kind of helped me find other cultivators to start collabing with. And then like as my brand just kind of had like a certain like reputation, I guess, like people just started wanting to like work with me. You know, they were like, oh, his single source is super fire. So like he can probably do great work with our stuff as well, you know. Um so like, you know, working with South Sacramento Care Center back in the day, there's some of the first people carrying Trigadelic's hash, you know, like even the village, you know, that was the home of the village. And I did some collabs with them, I mentioned. So like, I feel like it was like, now, now that I'm thinking about it, it was like slowly but surely I'm building this resume of like, I've worked with Hemp and Ain't Easy. I worked with, you know, you know, Straight Flame. I worked with, I've um, you know, the village, you know, I've worked mm -hmm. with all these people. And then like, I've always it's always so important to me to, to maintain good business relations. You know, even if I don't like that person, I don't want 
to do business with that person again. Like I think maintaining business integrity and like doing the right thing is super important to me. And I can honestly say that like, I feel like that has gotten me somewhere like at least however, whatever Trichedelics is, however far that is, however big of a brand it is, like me doing good business, I feel like has carried me a really long way. You know, for instance, like even the low key collab, like that came from, I was doing work with Surefire Selections. We were doing hella GMO when GMO was like one of those papaya strains when it came out and it was just dumping crazy qualities of hash and just like the market was being flooded with GMO and you know, uh, Surefire put in a great word for me to grow low key. He was like, yo, what's your deal with trike? Like, he's like, oh, trikes fucking comes here. He like picks up the material. He comes back with bread and he's fucking, we're doing good, you know, <laughs> like, and, uh, like we had a, it was like my birthday actually. And then we all had like a little dinner at this really nice restaurant called Benu in San Francisco. And like, I had known low key a little bit, um, like, acquaintance wise from like Emerald cup and sessions and stuff like that. But like, that's where like we set the intentions of like working together, washing the PBG and stuff like that. So it was just like a super natural organic growth. I feel like of just one cultivator, the next always washing the villages, like let's get them to wash ours, you know? And, um, you know, now I feel super fortunate. I feel like now I, I can work with a lot of different cultivators, you know? So that's super cool. Um, the versatility. It's a dope part about having, you know, a hash brand and doing it how you're doing it. And it's uh, all just been organic, pretty much out of the area where you're at, too. Yeah. By the way, because all a lot of, you know, those players are that's the Bay Area. Yeah, for sure. You know, exactly. So. I know people are all very active. It's, it's been dope to see the see the run of everybody. Of course. Yeah, of course. Indoor uh, indoor runs or sun runs. Which ones? I know people will be upset if we don't ask this. Uh, you've done sun-grown runs. You've done indoor runs. I'm sure you've done depths, all that. Like, of what's course. your favorite thing to wash? Okay. Like, again, like, I feel like I have, I'm so a little indecisive. I think you'll get from me in this podcast, but it's hard for me to choose that. You know, mm -hmm. it really is hard for me to choose that. Um, it's just, it's just dependent on the strain, the grower, a bunch of other factors or what? It really depends. Like, okay, I would start off by prefacing this. I would say like, some of the most terpy stuff, the most terpy stuff I feel like I've ever smoked has come from things that were grown in the sun, whether it was like a mix like greenhouse or full sun or something like that. I feel like the most terps have came from that. Like when I'm like, oh my God, my whole mouth is just coated and like this resin looks crazy. Uh, but I feel like it's a lot harder to get as supreme clean of resin and like six star trichomes from like outdoor full sun runs because like you just have the elements out there you know like you have potentially dust and like is it gusty is there rain is like there's just so many other th factors that can affect the quality while like you can have this perfect temperature controlled room um in the indoor you know so i would say like for the terps like sun grown i feel like i've had the best stuff but in terms of just like melt quality um sometimes i feel like i have more clean runs that are coming from indoor you know it's it's harder to to have clean resin from outdoor truly but just if we're just talking strictly terps i would say sun grown is it might be a little superior interesting makes me think of preferred garden spot i'm like man that would be king right there you get both right you get like the indoor and outdoor you, you got to do a preferred club yeah oh, but man. it's it's always deceiving too like we were talking about skittles too it was like indoor skittles like 
yeah, the word is, is like, it doesn't like a lot of light, right? It wants to be in a hall, but full sun, it's fire. And it's Booms. like, so you just, you never really know how that specific one is going to perform, you know? Yeah. The plant's a funny thing. She does what she wants. She you know does what, what I'm saying? she wants. No, she does. It's, it's, it's she, and every pheno and every strain and every cross is just a little bit different, a little more finicky. And, you know, people don't like the word finicky. They like, you know, uh, harder to care for, you, yeah. know, all, you know, and I get all the different terms, but uh, I just think uh, it's almost like, man, the, the more fire, the strain it, with terps, right. If we're going for terps and just flower and just overall abundance of like terps and THC and smokeability and everyone loves it. It's like, it's, they get harder and harder to grow. I feel like. Yeah. Over the years, we used to have these like robust plants that everyone would love. Now it's like these small things that take 12, eight to 12 weeks to veg. And it's like, but those are the fire ones right now. Right. It's yeah. Crazy how it's trained. It, it really, you've seen these plants go from like trying to train them down to like, oh, I'll just give it an extra four weeks, you know? Give it an extra four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's crazy. Weird. It's like a lot, you know, I mean, I can name 15 strains right now that are like some of the hottest ones that are just like runts or midgets and not runs the strain but runs like the way it grows you know so it's you interesting th you think that that's like what they call genetic drift like do you believe in that or what what do you think that that is it's just a run it's dude, a bad clone i think we're heady, no i just genetic i think we're drift. i no, i think we're hunting a wider variety right now than we ever have so i think people are picking too based off of things people used to not pick off of people would be like it doesn't yield and it takes eight weeks Throw that thing away, no matter how good it was. Now people are like, no, nah, I'll grow that. I'll build a brand off that. It only yields a pound of light, but it's super fire. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever. Yeah. So I think that's the thing is that before people would, that wouldn't even be considered a keeper. But these days, what we look for in a plant, hash wise even, right? We might not have kept that pheno because it doesn't yield in flour. Yeah. But now we're finding out it's a 5% washer and it tastes like banana when you wash it. And it tastes like banana. Right, for real, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, keep it. You know, because now I bet there's people that honestly almost chase strains based off of hash only. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. sure. So you see where the progression, I think that's where the progression lies in cannabis right now is we're picking based off of very specific factors that the guys before us did not pick off of. You know, yield was always at, almost at the top of their list. The young guy, the older guys that came up with, they were yeah, like, yeah. that thing don't yield, throw it, what? For sure. You know, and then it was like, oh, it's good. It smokes good. It's like, okay, you know, and like it was, yeah, well, now, now more than ever, it's about how does it smoke yeah. or how, how's the flavor, right? I should say, whether it's hash or flour, how's the flavor? Right. Yeah, right. What, 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 what are you looking forward to, man? Future of the brand, future for trike. Any future collabs, for trike. Anything coming up you want to talk about? Um... Well, uh, I mean, I briefly talked about the gangster doodles drop that's about to happen. So like, I'm super stoked onto that. Um, which is, fire. But I don't know, like I have a lot of like ambitions with the brand and I have a lot mm -hmm. of visions for it. And like, um, you know, I know one thing we talked about was like, I'm not, you know, my face isn't being showed right now. And, uh, that's partially cause I'm still like in the, in the traditional market right now. And I've, I don't, I want to be careful with this because I don't want to seem like I'm knocking the rec market at all. Cause like, I think there's a lot of great brands in the rec market making fire, you know? Um, but like, I just sometimes, and maybe I'm just 
don't have enough information on on the rec market, but I just don't see a place for the size of my brand and the way that I run my brand. I don't see a place in the market that's able to happen, you know, like for to have a, a high wholesale dollar um, like that and then expect to be able to move volumes at 100 percent markup inside of a dispensary like you're not going to do that. And like and I'm I really don't want anyone to seem like I'm knocking the rec brands, but a lot of the rec brands are having to go to backdoor things as, as well. And I'm not blaming them. I'm to go do what you got to do. You know what I mean? I'm glad they're doing what they got to do. But honestly, I do think it's bullshit that they have to pay all of these legislation fees and all this stuff to pay to play. And just for them to be slapped in the face because the taxes are so bad that the consumers genuinely can't go in there and buy enough of the hash off of the shelves. They have to bulk it out the back, you know? So it's like, I feel like they need to help the cultivators and the producers be able to create different styles of products that have different markup rates and different, you know, not everything is a hundred percent markup, Love right? It. Not everything is supposed to be like that. Right. Some, you know, markets are meant to bring in the guy who just wants the vape pen. And then like you want your niche artist audience to bring in the people like trichedelics and, you know, West coast alchemy, professor sip, you know, whoever it may be, you know, um, the more niche audiences or whatever, you know, like those products, like, it's it's easy for me to say because like that's not where my money comes in, but to say like oh don't hundred percent mark up, they're the the from my understanding the dispensaries right now are having to do the hundred percent markup because of how expensive it is for them to run their business, and it's like we don't. I know, that's a cover though because people come in the door they'll drive hours for product that's high end. They're not driving hours for cheap product marked up a hundred percent. Right? Yeah, exactly. So there, that gets people through the door, and I a hundred percent agree with you, man. Because like it's like saying the liquor store model, right? Because they want to pretend like it's that model. It's yeah, like, yeah. Well, yeah, on the you know, some of the really high end shit, you don't make a hundred percent markup. You're making 30, 40, maybe even 50%, whatever. But the low end shit, the shit that you has your name on it or rebranded. Yeah. You make a hundred percent or 200% markup. Yeah, exactly. You know, but now you see dispensaries where half the strains are brands that they actually own. Yeah. And they're pushing those because they have a thousand percent markup. Meanwhile, it's like, yeah, well, we need a hundred percent markup on yours too, because we make, you know, 300 on our stuff. And it's like, it's unrealistic. And that's why you see deliveries popping up left and right. Yeah, exactly. You know? And then too, like, I want to be careful too, but like one thing that's like a little bit, I don't know if scary is the right word. It is a little scary for me. Is that like, there's like companies now where like their whole thing is just like sourcing material for like hash companies. And I'm like, I think part of what makes trichedelic special is like my ability to create the relationship with the grower, to know that this is a fire strain for them to grow the fire and for us to, to, to coincide together, to be able to make the fucking product. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that relationship is a key uh, component of it, you know? So it's like, I think that it just makes it super hard. I, I don't, I, I just, I, it seems intimidating to be in the California rec market. Honestly, it seems like maybe I'm wrong and I want to, I want to learn. So if I'm wrong, please, 
people tell me, be like, no, there's room for trichedelics on the shelves right here. You know, mm -hmm. I'm want to be there. You mm -hmm. know, like I mentioned, I'm not showing my face. Like I would love to show my face right now. Like this brand is everything to me. You know, like when I'm at the seshes and I'm at, you know, the pop-up tonight or puff gone tomorrow, like I'm showing my face to the people. Like I'm not taking pictures or anything mm -hmm. like that, you know, but like, this is me. I don't have a backup plan. Like I've been doing, I've been making, I've been working with this plant like seriously now for like 10 years and like, I wouldn't want to do anything else, you know? And like, there's times when I'm hard on myself and I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe it wasn't as good of a month monetarily or some shit, but you know what? Like, I just have to remind myself, like when I first moved out to fucking Oakland, like what was my goal then? I just want to grow the most fire weed that I can be able to have some good food on my table. And like at the basis, it's that. And, you know, and it was like, all of this organic growth, working with all these cultivators and stuff. Now my ambitions have changed a little bit to be like, okay, wow, like people really like this product and like I have something going here, you know, so I do want to expand and make it larger. Um, and I hope one day I can be on the rec shelves and like throughout the United States, you know, like, I don't know, I've always envisioned like, dude, just like, you know, I'm like in a, uh, I mentioned I love olive oil, you know, I pay for, uh, olive oil subscriptions from like certain brands who literally they source olives from all around the country and they give you like these pamphlets that say like they give you a picture of the farm they talk about the farmers who grew it they've had these olive trees since 1890 or some crazy shit like it's like this beautiful thing you know and i think and i love it i'm like okay i get once a month i'm gonna get two bottles of oil like I don't know. I think that's where I see eventually in the United States, once we're federally legal, that's what's going to be happening is like, oh, you want trichedelics? Like, yeah, you sign up for the subscription list. There's different tiers. You get one ounce a month, uh, you know, every, you know, first and 15th of the month, you get two shipments that come in or some shit like that. Like I, maybe I'm just a stoner talking in a perfect world or whatever, it's but evolving. like, but like, that's, that's what I want. And like, I would love for that to happen. And I think that going back to what I was mentioning is like, there's companies who their whole job is like sourcing material for people. So like really and truly what they're doing is like, and maybe I'm wrong, but like what, what I see is they're just getting these mass amounts of all this material and everyone's running the same material. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's not what creates all these beautiful, different little strains and stuff that we have on the table here. You know, I feel like people being able to focus, like you were saying, Oh, this one only, uh, this only yielded a pound of light, but I can start a fucking brand off of this one. Like people being able to actually run with that ball and be able to do that, like being the ability, having the ability to be a smaller company and like not like maybe your goal isn't to be pushing out millions of dollars a month. You know, maybe you're just like, yo, I just want to do a couple hundred thousand or whatever it may be, you know, and I'm not saying that is or isn't my goal, but it'd be nice if there was room for different sizes brands, right? for mom and pop brands to be there who are just like that. They have the best heavy fog. You know, if you want heavy fog, you like heavy fog, you go to Jack and Jill's spot. They have the, the fire one. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. same thing with the beer, like, or the wine, like they normally, the wine places have like their two or three, like wines that people go out of their way to go for that. They specialize in growing that cultivar, or that grape. Um, and that's like the pull to it, you know? So like, I don't know, I guess I'm fearful of just seeing like, Oh, we just have all the hash makers like running all the same materials and now we just rename everything. And it's like one thing I really believe in with, with trichedelics is like, I just want to be as true to the plant as possible. And if it was a uh, Bubba Kush, like 
call it Bubba Kush. If it was Jack Herrera, but it has fire terps, like I know not a lot of us like Jack. I'm not saying I like Jack, but if it's fire in the jar and like it really was Jack, like be true to the strain, you know, highlight that strain, you know? So I don't know, I guess. Be true to the plant. Be true to the plant. Yeah. Love it, bro. The nose nose too. I'll emphasize that again too, you know, cause it's funny that like a lot of people will be like, Oh, you know, papaya is played out or like this strain is played out, you know, but I'm always just judging based on the batch, you know, like the, be- like, yeah, maybe there was a bunch of papaya, but like, what if this papaya batch was just like, holy shit, this is the one, you know? So it's like, if I find a papaya batch like that, then yeah, I'm going to drop it as trichedelics. I'm going to call it papaya. And I want people to have faith in my brand of being like, this isn't average run of the mill papaya. It's Mm -hmm. some resin that I feel was really, really special, you know? Um, Makes all the difference. The curation from you, the hash maker with the farmer, and then all the way through to what gets put in the jar, it makes all the difference. And that's what we're tasting. That's what we're seeing. I mean, that's what we're hearing right now from you, bro. I can tell the way your mind works now getting a deep dive in an interview with you yeah, and yeah. like talking. You're, you are so tuned in and focused on your passion. I can see it. It exudes from you, bro. And the hash, we get to smoke it. It's a privilege for us in California that the people actually get these jars because I remember seeing the, they were like thicker, but yeah. they uh, the old school trichedelic Those are the old ones, dude. And man, it was like, is there hash in here? Oh, it's clear. Yeah. What the? F- you would be like, no, what? Because you could literally see through the jar. Right. And then you dab into it and it's like sappy and it's it's just so different. And it's so you, man. It's like uh, our privilege to be able to have such a hash maker that cares for the plant and can explain the processes to us and uh, and talk about the variations. I mean, we can easily tell you put your 10,000 hours in. There's yeah, no question yeah. on that. And I'm still learning, you know, like I still learning from every single run, you know, and I know a lot, but that's the one thing that I think that really draws me to the plant is that like, it's so mysterious, you know, sometimes I feel like I don't even like, don't get me wrong. I want to learn the most about the science and everything like that. But sometimes I, I fall in love with the mystique of the plant too, you know, and just like that one turned out really good. Cause it, I don't know why, you know, cause it got extra love, you know, like maybe not cause it had the perfect regiment or whatever it may be, you know, maybe there's other factors that go in there and I'm a firm believer in intent, you know? So like I put a lot of intent into my product, you know, and the two people that do help me with any of like, you know, any of the packaging, putting the stickers on there, like, you know, I make sure that we put the right intention into it. It means a lot to me that we're in a good state of mind when we do these things, you know? I mean, even down to the top of every jar is so dope. So Yeah, for sure. Dude, any shout outs to anybody? Um, Yeah, shout out to anybody that's shown me support, man. You guys like all the people who have supported Trichedelics, bought a, bought a jar of Trichedelics or just had interest in Trichedelics, you know, like. You know, like sitting on this podcast right now, dude, I look back like 10 years ago. I'm like, damn, this is insane, man. Like I literally just wanted to grow weed, the, the best weed that I could. and be able to put food on my table and like now i have a fucking this brand which is like kind of even gotten a little larger than myself and like yeah it's just a it's a blessing to be able to be working with this plant like having the opportunity to i guess have a place in the market you know top tier place bro 
if you haven't had trichedelics, you're missing out. And if uh, if you you out on our Patreon, you're missing the fuck out too. <laughs> Motherfucker. No, because we're I gonna mean, show you his face on our Patreon. Want, uh, right now, we're gonna get into the hash on the behind the scenes. We're gonna start. We're gonna show you guys some of the hash. We're gonna show you some of the jars open. We're gonna get into all this stuff. We're gonna and, take some dabs, and we're gonna take sure. some dabs. Yeah, so hell yeah, get on the sure. Patreon, get on that behind the scenes, and uh, trichedelics, man. I mean, Yo, if you don't know, now you know, and. If you're on on the hash, I'm sure you do know, but this shit's crazy, bro. Yeah, keep it going. Hell Don't yeah, stop for nothing. Thank you guys so the much for the invite. Merch is hard too. Keep that going, please. Hell keep yeah, more. we need shorts, shirts, like all that. Yeah, see, that's sure. another thing too. Is like I, I would love to. That's another thing in the recreational market that I would love to be able to see because I think people love the art, like the quote unquote artistry around it, the, the special lids and the matching merch and things like that. So like having the variability to be able to do that, I think would be really cool, you know, in, in the rec market, you know, you can have cool alcohol bottles and like trippy designs, alcohol bottles, you know? So I think it's like, yeah, we could use some change. I feel like in the legislations and stuff like that, but I just want to say, I don't think that like big cannabis is like bad cannabis or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. I love the plant and anybody that's involved with it. And I'm not like, black market versus the rec market like i want everyone to win and what's good for the cannabis community is good for the whole entire cannabis community i'd hope passion for the plant bro that's all i get from you i and it exudes so yeah straight up man for real episode 68 trichedelics First smoke hash pedal fast, baby. <laughs> smoke hash pedal fast. Yo, welcome to the Diamond Mine, the DiamondMine.LA, California source for boutique genetics, powered by yours truly, Blackleaf. And you know what that means? That means I'm bringing my best genetics into this. I'm bringing stuff I've been hiding, harboring away, stuff I haven't wanted to let out. We're bringing all that into the DiamondMine.LA, and we're going to offer that to California. Go on our website, hit the newsletter and see if you can rock with us. Get on board with some of our genetics and change your garden. The diamondmine.la powered by Blackleaf.